So once again, welcome into Hoopsville, and I hope you'll enjoy the show here this evening. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and coming to you, as we mentioned, from the WBCA and ABC studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. On the men's side, top 25, 12 losses amongst 11 teams. Um, If you think that's no big deal and that just means an easy decision by the voters, those receiving votes, there were 10 losses amongst nine teams. So of all the teams being voted for in the men's top 25, there were 22 losses this week amongst 20 teams. I made a comment to the guys earlier today that it appears that things are getting deeper uh, in the pool, as it were, for Division Three basketball in men's because we keep adding teams and it just keeps getting more and more crazy. Uh, Gordon made a comment. It was really getting wider. Fair point. I think we're saying it in the same way in a different manner. I just talked about the fact that wading through it, it's not getting shallower. It's As we play longer, usually in a top 25 mentality, as we play later into the year, the season, or the, the teams seem to whittle themselves out, and it, and it starts to get a little easier to vote. Now, Ryan may have a different opinion of it, and that's why we have him on the show. I think he thinks it's getting easier. I think it's getting harder because now I've got more and more three- and four-loss teams in the conversation than I think we're normally used to. I could be dead wrong on that. We'll see. Um, But that's what uh, the reason we have 25 voters. But again, 22 losses amongst 20 teams of all those receiving votes in the men's top 25. On the women's side, there was one loss in the top 25, and there was one other loss in receiving votes. So again, let's compare. In the men's top 25, 25, 22 losses amongst 20 teams, amongst all those in the top 25 in receiving votes. On the women's side, two losses, two teams, amongst everybody, receiving votes. Oh, (laughs) what a difference it makes. Now, the women have been rather competitive. Um, it's, it's hard to say, I mean, we, we talk about parody till we're blue in the face and, and I, I could keep talking about that and, 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 and it, I don't know if it gets us anywhere, but because it's just repetitive. Um, but clearly a lot going on in men's basketball and a lot of good teams. I don't think we have any great teams. I think I've said that in the past. Um, I don't think it's reaching on a, on, 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 a, on a thin branch to say so. I don't think we have any great teams. I think the teams that are good are very good. I think we have a lot more of those very good teams. This isn't the back in the day when Stevens Point won two in a row. This isn't back in the day when when uh, Amherst was just a dominating force in the Northeast. This isn't you know, when the Neodak had a team or two that, that, that was tough to beat, or, or even Whitewater. If we talk about Stevens Point, we can talk about Whitewater's run to national championships. Um, it doesn't feel like that this year. This year feels like it's anybody's chance. And, and I understand Whitman's number one. They're number one on my ballot, and they're very good, but they're susceptible. Linfield nearly beat them on Friday. And if you listen to Thursday's show, I said that Whitworth and Whitman were going were gonna to get a battle this weekend. Uh, there was nothing about that that swing through the Portland area with Linfield and uh, the other dance partner was Willamette that made me think that that would be an easy weekend. Yes, Whitman beat Willamette 75-59. I, I didn't doubt that would be a, a game for them. 
um, that they'd easily win. But Willamette almost beat Whitworth on Friday night, 67-65. Um, and then barely got pa- and Whitworth barely got past Linfield, 63-55. But Whitman barely got past Linfield, 82-78. So anybody is susceptible this year. And, and you see some crazy results as a result of that. Um, I'm second-guessing everything I saw in Vegas with Ohio Wesleyan now. A darn good team that absolutely blitzkrieg Ramapo and had Whitman on the ropes. If they don't go, even if they go only semi cold in the second half, they probably beat Whitman. But they go stone cold from deep, and Whitman beats them by a couple of points. Well, this is an Ohio Wesleyan team now that's lost what uh, four of five, four of six since then. I don't know the exact total, but they're twelve and five now. They lost to Wittenberg, and it wasn't close, ninety three seventy two. We talked about that on Thursday's show, and they barely got past DePaul this weekend, 77-72. Now, maybe this is that live-by, die-by three-point mentality that Ohio Wesleyan has. They've got some great shooters, and the conference certainly knows it. But if Ohio Wesleyan's going to make the tournament, they're actually putting themselves into a position here that in at large is getting slimmer and slimmer. Um, Oshkosh lost twice this week. This is a team I thought extremely highly of. But they lost to both Platteville and Eau Claire. And, and the WIAC is a, nu- a nightmare. If you look at the WIAC standings right now, you're going to do a double take. We mentioned on Thursday's show, Stevens Point had come in 6-5 and five into WIAC play. They had won five straight. We'll make it six straight. They got a yet another victory. They, 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 they beat Whitewater, as we mentioned on Thursday's show. They beat Whitewater on Wednesday. And then they got another victory on Saturday. I think it was against Platteville, if, if memory serves. It was Platteville, uh, 80 to 74. So Stevens Point has a two game lead in the WIAC right now. No, I don't think that holds. As good as Stevens Point is apparently playing now, and as good as they've got some talent, and they're not even playing with their best player this year, he's out for the season. I don't think they hold a two game lead in the WIAC. I think now, as the WIAC officially enters the second half of the season, you know, teams are going to be gunning for them, certainly. And no longer is anybody like Platteville or, more importantly, Oshkosh River Falls and Whitewater going to be surprised by Stevens Point. But Stevens Point's now 12-5. and five. Will they crack the top 25? No, I don't think they will. That's the craziness of the top 25. They're still 12-5. and five. And, yes, playing well now. But I'm not going to forget what I've seen in front of me. Warper beat them. Not close. I mean, it was semi-close. It wasn't great close. So, I mean, again, Whitewater, the number two team in the country, lost to Stevens Point, then beat lacrosse, but it needed overtime. York got its first loss of the season in Mary Washington. I'm not surprised York lost its first game. A little surprised it's Mary Washington. I know Mary Washington has improved, but they haven't blown me away. I thought York would win that. It was at Mary Washington, which is tough. We mentioned Oshkosh losing. Wittenberg had a good week. MIT, we mentioned, took their first loss, and then they went to overtime against Babson. So MIT looks a little more exposed than I thought they would be. Williams lost to Middlebury, which enters the NESCAC question. Now, is the NESCAC overrated, or are we, are we overrating NESCAC play here, or are we not seeing what's really there? And again, no great teams, bunch of good teams. Hamilton took its first loss on Saturday to, to Amherst, who lost to Williams. Didn't Hamilton beat Williams? You know, this is where this thing gets just chaotic at best. So Middlebury seems to have righted the ship after losing three of five. They get a four-point win over Williams. Okay, we'll keep an eye on them. They beat out. 
Middlebury beat Albertus Magnus, though, in overtime this week. Then they beat Williams, and then they beat Pine Manor. That Pine Manor basically tells us nothing. River Falls lost to Lacrosse, as we mentioned earlier in the week. Then they came back and easily handled Stout. Stout's not a pretty good team. As we mentioned, Hamilton beat Geneseo early in the week, and then it wasn't even close against Amherst. They lost by 26, 75-49. I mean, what? Marietta, okay, 13-4, and four, ranked 18th. I'm not voting for them. Why? Who have they beaten? They don't have a significant win in my book on the record. Now, I'll go back and look at it. I'm going to be going back and looking at it tonight and tomorrow when I vote my top 25. They've been on the outside looking in for a couple of weeks. I've had them there. I'm, go- I'm trying to s- slide to their spot to double-check their... Uh, Resume, as it were. Just forgive me as I'm going through our top 25 bracket, or a ballot, which is now 22 pages long. They have a win over Hope, 10 and 7. Okay. They have a win over St. Thomas, 9 and 7. Okay. They have a win over Frostburg State, 7 and 10. Okay. They have a win over Bethany. Okay. Otterbein, who hasn't won a game this year. Okay. They lost to Baldwin-Wallace. They beat LaRoche, who's 12 and 5. Okay. They lost to John Carroll now twice. They beat Wilmington. They beat Hanover. Hanover's 13-4. and four. That looks at least decent, but Hanover hasn't been as good as people expected. They lost to Wittenberg. They beat Muskegon below 500 record. They beat Ohio Northern 12-5, and five, but Ohio Northern's kind of been a, an oddity team for everybody. They beat Mount Union, who's barely above 500. They beat Heidelberg, who's below 500. They beat Capital, who's below 500. I don't have a win in Marietta's resume. But then again, I can go through a lot of teams and say, gee, they don't have a win in their resume that I, that I stand to. John Carroll lost to Baldwin-Wallace and then beat Marietta. Yeah, that's not going to cause any problems. I mean, we get this circular thing going on again. Granted, did I just mention Baldwin-Wallace had beaten Marietta? I think I did. I don't remember because just like that, I had forgotten that detail. Uh, Yeah, Baldwin-Wallace had beat Marietta. (laughs) So Baldwin-Wallace beat John Carroll. John Carroll has beaten Marietta twice. And at least Baldwin-Wallace beat Marietta, so we'll put Baldwin-Wallace above him. But I have John Carroll ahead of Baldwin-Wallace. Well, now that's going to have to change, but they're not they're not close. There's so many teams in between. Um, Franklin Marshall lost to Dickinson. We mentioned this on Thursday. I don't get it. I, I, Franklin Marshall's 14-3, and three, but outside of a win against Swarthmore, I don't have anything that jumps out to me. Um, and then the receiving votes category, Tufts lost to Bates. We mentioned Plantville, Wartburg lost Nebraska Wesley, and the Rails seem to be coming off of Wartburg's train as well. They're twelve and five, and I thought Ohio Wesley was better than Wartburg. They're both twelve and five now. Adrian, who was leading the MIA and surprising everybody, had a horrible week. Lost to Olivet by three and lost to Alma by seven. And Juniata lost to Susquehanna, as we mentioned earlier. At least they came back and beat Moravian. Keene State had a split week. Bethel had a split week. Randolph-Macon lost to Emory and Henry. If anyone's asking now about Emory and Henry, I think they've got a win there that at least tells some people some things. And North Central, who I thought was finally getting back into things, had a horrible loss to Elmhurst. You go figure it out. It, it, it is an insane year, and it's because all these teams are good. There's no great teams. Listen, Marietta last year, probably on the level of great. Uh, Rochester on the level of great. Whitman on the level of great. There are some people who think this Whitman team is better than last year's team. I don't think it's better than last year's team in any way, shape, or form. 
I think they're they're good. They're darn good, but I don't think they're better. So a lot to figure out tonight. The other thing I've noticed is there's a lot of teams who are in races right now and not thought to be there at the beginning of the season. It, it is, let's say, just as surprising to them that they're there as it is to anybody else. So we're going to talk to a few of them. One of them happens to be Chicago, Concordia, Chicago, out of the women's side of the NACC. They are 14 and two overall and 10 and two in the conference. Rusty Rogers' team is playing outstanding basketball. Where'd this come from? Well, we'll talk to them. They're in the race for the top of that conference. We mentioned Hamilton earlier, lost their first game to Amherst. We will talk to their head coach, Adam Stockwell, tonight about what happened in that game. And what exactly is up with the Continentals? Are they as good as they appear, or is it smoke and mirrors? Listen, a lot of this could be smoke and mirrors. It's not a comment to, to, to Hamilton. Whitman can be smoke and mirrors to some degree. Then we'll talk to Cabrini Women's Basketball. Katie Pearson has a squad that bounced back from a pretty off year last year. They're 13-2. We're not picked to win the CSAC. But they're leading the CSAC right now, semi-comfortably, 7-0. And then we'll go down to the South region and talk to Methodist. Now, Methodist was picked as a favorite on their side of the USA, USA South. But David Smith's squad is still 12-3 and three and 7-1 and one in conference. How good is Methodist? And here's one of those teams that's now in this 3-4 loss, even 5-loss conversation of teams. What do you do? A lot of people start screaming bloody murder about a team who's only got two or three losses deserves to be in the top 25. Well, if you go into that conversation and decide to dive there, you're going to find a lot of teams in that conversation and not enough to fit the bill. So is Methodist good enough? Well, we'll talk to their head coach and find out. Maybe they, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I'm not sure. But that's all ahead here tonight. And then we'll wrap up the show as we now do on Sunday nights. Ryan Scott will join me with what we now call the Top 25 Double Take. We will give you our three Ds, which is the dubious, uh, debatable, and oh, what was the other one? Of course I would forget one. I tweeted it earlier. There we go. The, uh, the uh, deep dive, the dubious, and the debatable teams. And then I'll throw him, uh, we'll have two more questions to throw at it that he's not allowed to hear about ahead of time. Well, one of them he does. One of them is on the women's side, who's not in the top 25 that should. And then there's one other uh, toss-up question we'll throw at him as well. So that's all still ahead here on the show. Again, we can take your questions if you want to send them. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Twitter, at d3hoopsville, or hashtag hoopsville. You can also uh, join us via Facebook, where we're simulcasting the show, uh, facebook.com slash hoopsville. And you can, uh, what is it? Um, you can you can follow us on Instagram if you want, at D3 Hoopsville. However, just remember, again, uh, we don't follow that account during the show, but that is more for promotional reasons, primarily. So there you go. There's all your questions to be had, as it were, and we hope uh, we can answer your questions. It is, a, it is a crazy start to the basketball season, as we said. Now we're in a crazy middle, and it promises to be a crazy finish reminder in 10 days we'll have our hoopsville marathon i can't believe it's 10 days out we will start at 10 a.m and go until 10 p.m at least on the east coast 
Uh, already booking a lot of get great guests, including some uh, not in-season or traditional guests. The show gives us a chance to have a little bit of fun, and we will have said fun. Uh, we will start putting our Hoopsville page together soon so you can start following those guests and when they may or may not be appearing on the show. Um, we, we will start working on that so you can follow that and we'll let you know where it is. Um, if you've got guest ideas for that, let us know as well. And that also means we are just two and a half weeks away from the first regional rankings. First regional rankings will come out on February 7th. So again, we are two and a half weeks away from that point. On that marathon show, we will hopefully talk to both committee chairs about how the first mock rankings went. Obviously, we won't get answers on those rankings, but we'll have an understanding. But how those mock rankings went and where things go from here and how they're preparing for the new year or really the new set of rankings, as it were. So there you go. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get things started. We'll head up, head out to Chicago, talk to Concordia Chicago, the women's program there, and Rusty Rogers, talk to him about how well his program is doing. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. By the way, before I should go, I should point out, we'll also at the end of the show talk about the legislation passed at the NCAA convention. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live streaming the show as well. So we talked about the fact that there's a number of teams that are in the mix, as it were, in Division Three basketball conferences that maybe we aren't quite sure would be in the mix. Some maybe were just outside the picks at the preseason. Some have had tremendous turnarounds. Well, one team that's certainly having a tremendous season would be the uh, the Cougars of Concordia, Chicago, fourteen and two right now. Winners of nine straight, ten and two in the NACC, uh, the Central Region. Last year they went fifteen and eleven and fourteen and six. They've been building towards this after a ten and fifteen season in 2015-16. But again, nine straight, and maybe one of the better pictures we've seen of a coach on a sideline. He looked pretty good uh, yelling out at his team, but nonetheless. Uh, joining us on the Skype hotline is the head coach of Concordia Chicago Cougars women's basketball. It is Rusty Rogers and coach. Thanks for taking the time via Skype. We appreciate it. Dave, thanks so much for having us. Concordia University of Chicago is excited to be here. And more importantly, thanks for all you do for D3 Hoop. And it's it's awesome what you do for, for the game of basketball for, at the D3 level. Well, coach, thank you. I appreciate it. Very kind of you. Um, Listen, nine straight wins. I know you're excited about that. 14-2. and two. Your only two losses are in conference back uh, at the turn of November and December against Benedictine and, and Edgewood. Since then, on a roll um, with some, some nice wins for a program like yourselves. You even have a win over University of Dallas at the beginning of the year. It, 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 this feels like you guys are on cloud nine to some degree. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been a fun ride. Um, you know, we've we've had goals, uh, pretty lofty goals this year. So it's not really a surprise to us. We knew that this was our year. We have three senior starters that have been in the program all four years with me, and uh, we were we were hoping that it would cultivate in in this season, uh, that spectacular season. And then, uh, not to put a damper on everything, but the uh, <laughs> reality is we do have four very very difficult games coming up out of our last eight. So uh, you know, the schedule has been very favorable for us. Quite yeah, honestly, so you do have eight to go, um, and, and you obviously are in that second turn of the conference here. Though you've been in that second turn for a little while here, uh, but you do have the top of the conference. You have the rematch with Benedictine and Edgewood still to come. Of course, in the conference standings, uh, Wisconsin Lutheran is undefeated, uh, and you've got their game coming up next. How do you keep the team now kind of focused on the task at hand? Because yes, it can be exciting to be fourteen and two and winners of nine straight, but you can't lose focus of the fact that you're now in a real battle for potentially either the regular season championship or positioning yourself as well as you can for the conference tournament. Yeah, well, it's been 30 plus years since uh, women's basketball at Concordia Chicago has even been relevant in any conference. So um, keeping us focused is not a problem. We just look up at that banner and it's completely empty for the last 30 years. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, the leadership within the team really is tremendous. I mentioned the three seniors, Aaron Jacobson, Taylor Jacobson, and Courtney Lofink. Um, they're running the show. I'm just along for the ride. They really, uh, they really have a good perspective on things. They, they have been through the dark stages uh, of the program, and uh, they, they know what it's like to be on top. They're winners. So, yeah, it's, it's been a really good ride, and I'm really relying on those three to pull us through. Yeah, how much is this? I mean, we, we hear a mixture from, from coaches. How much is this a mixture of the senior leadership that is there, but also the influx of younger players who've almost kind of given a shot in the arm to the program? I have no question about our success um, coming through the culture of our program. Uh, you know, the seniors this year, the, th the three seniors I mentioned, you know, as juniors even, they, they take the younger kids and they, this is the way we do things. And it's a, it, it just, you know, it just 
to manifest itself year after year. And once you establish that culture and everybody buys in, uh, my job's so much easier. And uh, we've got, like I've said, I mean, we've got four seniors that, that have been through the program, three starters, and every one of them is 100% bought into what we're doing. And it really makes it easy. It really does. You're either going to follow or you're gone. Um, and our kids have really followed their leadership. The younger kids have followed their leadership. And consequently, we got two sophomore starters that are big contributors to our lineup and playing high-level basketball for young players. Now let's talk about uh, the names, as it were, behind the numbers. Um, you're led uh, points, at least, wise, 20.4 points a game by Taylor Jacobson. Sophia Leon has 11.8, 11.6 from Crystal Core. That's three players in double figures, and we can count Courtney uh, Lofink into that conversation. She's just a shade under that in the double figures category. But there's certainly more involved than just scoring. Nine rebounds from Core as well. Um, in the assist category, you, you turn to Lofink. She's got 100-plus already in this. Feels very equal, feels very balanced in, in terms of scoring, in terms of distribution, and also in terms of how everybody's performing on the court. Yeah, we got a really nice mixture of, of uh, different talents. I think that's really important at the D3 level, especially at, at when you're building a program um, from where we came from, is you got to have people that, that play roles because we don't have those superstar players necessarily that can do it all. Um, we definitely don't have that. So Taylor's turned into our big-time scoring machine. Courtney Lofink um, heads up our defense leads, led the nation in steals last year. She was in the top in assists. She's already got 500 assists in her career. She's the table setter. She's the leader on the floor. She makes us go. And she's happy with that. I mean, uh, our last game, she shot 15 shots. That's the most shots she's taken in, in a game in four years. So um, it's, you know, she knows her role. Taylor knows her role. Crystal um, has been tremendous on the backboards and she gets us some points here and there. Um, you know, Aaron Jacobson is a big, big part of our success. And you look at her stat line, Dave, and you're going to say, well, this is pretty average. But if you look at every single category, she's like one or two in our, our team in assists, uh, fourth in our conference in assists, uh, steals. She gets rebounds. She's like a five foot two, um, you know, uh, uh, ever ready batty, a battery out there. She, she never stops. I mean, she, you can't you can't even keep up with her. She's everywhere. Um, and she sets a tone for our team also. So we've got a lot of kids. We play 11 kids each game and everybody plays their role and they thrive at their role. Uh, a lot of your uh, your team and, and even the school seem to get really excited. Not that you're coming on the show, but that there's attention for you guys, uh, and and that you're and that you're getting this national attention. I, I think some even joked uh, the turnarounds because of the mustache, sir. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think they're bank banking on the talent. They think the stash has something oh, to do boy. with it. It feels light and loose, and and sometimes those teams seem to be the most successful to some degree. Well, I've been doing this for 35 years. I just turned 60 in September, so <laughs> it's about time we have some fun in our life, right? Yeah. But, yeah, that is by far the most important thing that we uh, look at every single day in practice, every time we're together. We, we want to have a good time. We want to enjoy ourselves. We want to, you know, it, it, it's, it's a short-lived thing. I mean, it, if you play four years of college basketball, it's gone in a flash, and all you have is memories. So you want those memories to be great memories. We have a lot of fun. We travel during the Christmas break to the West Coast. Um, we do things. Uh, it really helps the the team camaraderie, but more importantly, it, it creates memories and it really builds a, a family atmosphere. And we definitely have that here at Concordia Chicago. We're really proud of that. You mentioned the 35 years. You are in your 36th year of coaching, though. Just your fourth at Concordia Chicago. You have been all over the map. 
Uh, you started at your alma mater in Cle- outside Cleveland in, uh, in Dyke College. Then you came to Wilmington, Delaware. Then you went to Western Oregon, uh, mainly NAIA. NAIA. See, easy to say when you don't say it normally. Uh, and then uh, jumped into Division Two with when the, when Western Oregon went into Division Two, and now you're in Division Three. What was the pull to a program like Concordia, Chicago, and Division Three? Well, that's real easy. My daughter was here. Um, no, that's easy. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, she was a freshman here when I was still coaching high school ball down in Houston, Texas, and she came up her freshman year, and um, they just she just had a had a rough time that year, and they made a change at the coaching end of it, and uh, they asked me if I'd consider taking it. So I came out of semi-retirement to be up here and uh, coach my daughter and get a chance to be at the college level again, quite frankly. And look, so yeah, now, I left. now you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's a great level. It's the first time I ever coached Division Three. You kind of alluded to that, and I love this level. So it's been a, a real fun time for me as well. Well, we certainly it's it's shown in the turnaround again. Uh, you weren't necessarily picked to be first in the conference, and that's not the end of the world. Uh, Wisconsin Lutheran is still on top of the conference, and they've got a win against you. And you got a game against them coming up. How much stock do you put in this game? How much? I don't want to say pressure, but how much? Uh, um, focus is going into this game coming up uh, on Wednesday? This is a big game for our program, no doubt about it. We only play them once this year. There's two teams in our conference. Oh, I'm, only I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. so we get them at home, which is an incentive. We beat them at home last year, um, which which uh, allowed us to have a win against every team in our conference since I've been here. So we've beaten everybody at least once. So that confidence level is there. Um, and then we turned around and played in the playoffs, got beat. We were up 12 going in the fourth quarter, and we I got outscored 19 to nothing. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a really big game. Uh, we're in a position now, though, where it's kind of like everything's gravy from here on. Um, we've, we've really done a great job in, in terms of winning the games we're supposed to win and the games that you know we're not necessarily favored to win. we we got nothing to lose, uh, literally. Um, but we're going to go out there and we're going to play hard and – we know how important it could be, especially only playing them once, because if a tiebreaker comes into play, this will be the game that will determine that tiebreaker. So it is very, very important to us. But we got a loose bunch of uh, uh, girls that are just just out there having fun, and we got a lot of kids that contribute. So that helps when we don't rely on any one person. So uh, it's a big, big game for us, no doubt. Do you, do you? I mean, is it a make or break game? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just in the sense of does it need that kind of pressure because? of what could be on the line for the conference? Or is it one of those, you're still kind of learning along the ways, let's let's see where this can take us type game? Um, you know, we really want to make a statement, quite honestly. Okay. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't think the conference takes us seriously to this point, and I don't mean to make people feel sorry for us or anything like that, but I just don't think we get the respect we deserve. And, and our girls, they got a chip on their shoulder. I and mean, we were preseason ranked, I think, fifth in the conference, and we took that as an insult. Uh, we, like I said, we, we felt like coming into the season, this was going to be our year that we could really make an impact on the conference. So this will be a statement game for us. Um, you know, we want to be able to compete with Wisconsin Lutheran. They're a great team. You know, they're undefeated in the conference. They've only lost one game all year, but, uh, we feel like we can make a statement with this game. So it means a lot to us. It means an awful lot. And then we go into CIT, Concordia Invitational yeah. Tournament, right after that. And that is, that's like the final four, um, you know, it's it's just a crazy atmosphere. So we got a really big week ahead of us. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Is in the interesting twist is you'll play Wisconsin, uh, Concordia, Wisconsin, as part of the conference schedule at the CIT. And we've talked about the CIT with both Concordia, Wisconsin, and some others. 
But at the same time, how much is it a um, a distraction, it, or is it a distraction? You're you're focused on conference play right now. Yes, one of those games is a conference game, but the other one isn't. But it could also help derail you, or it, I mean, there's a lot going on there with this week. Yeah, Dave. I, I you know I kind of jumped into this for you. This is my fourth year here, and. I didn't know what CIT was all about until I lived it. It's it's just a huge event. It's unbelievable. And and to me, um, we're at the point now in our program where conference is by far the most important thing. We want to get to that national tournament. And that's our number one goal by far. And uh, the timing of the CIT is what, what I don't personally like a whole lot. I wish we could play in November before sure. we get into the conference. But it is what it is. And yeah. um it doesn't take a whole lot from me to get the team motivated, which is the good side of it. I mean, it's it's just a thrilling atmosphere, and we actually got to settle kids down to play in that game. But it is a somewhat of a distraction. But since we've gone to this uh, this new format where when we pl- when we host or Wisconsin hosts, we get to put a conference game in there. It, it's helped a lot because that make gives it even more meaning and it allows us to have another non conference game in our schedule. So, yeah, it it's a big time event. This might be a strange question to ask you, but what does it mean if the team says they love their coach like they seem to love you? It means I'm a softie, probably. (laughs) Uh, No Uh, sprints is what you mean. Yeah, and I'm 60 years old, so I'm grandpa to them. So everybody (laughs) loves grandpa. But, uh, yeah, it's we got a lot of love going on in our team. There's no doubt about it. Um, I really do care an awful lot about these, these ladies, and we have a great, a fantastic group. Uh, it is literally the reason why we're 14 and two right now. It's because of the character of our, of our team. They're fun to be around and I'm not afraid to tell them I love them. I mean, they're, they're a big part of my life and uh, I'm not going to hide that. Uh, and I care deeply about them. So we communicate that and it's all love here. (laughs) Uh, 16 games in, we're down to single digits and games remaining, not counting conference tournament, which will, you're certainly well in position for here. What are you still working on that needs to improve? got to get more consistent, no question about it. And in this nine-game winning streak, we really only had a couple games where we really played well. It just so happens that one of them was last night against Dominican. We really had a nice stretch there where we looked like a dominating team. And they were coming off a win over Benedictine. So, so I know that confidence was sky high. And we just kind of deflated that confidence big time the way we played. So, um, but then again, we didn't hold, we didn't hold serve. We didn't, you know, build on that. We had a 29-point lead. We ended up winning by 17 but um, again, it's tough. It's it's tough. Um, it's tough to maintain that kind of consistency. And the other challenge is with our system. You know, we run a, a a modified version of the Grinnell system. We don't sub five at a time, but I do play eleven players, and we press the entire game. We run. Um, we score a lot of points. We shoot a lot of threes. But it uh, it requires eleven players, and you know, uh, it, it just it creates a little challenge in keeping consistency. You know, we got a Taylor Jacobson, for example, that's averaging over 20 points a game. Well, she'll have four minutes straight while she'll be on the bench. So that's a real challenge to a scorer to be able to come in and out of a ball game and maintain, you know, that that uh, level of of play. So it's been a challenge, but you know, we done we stuck with it from the beginning, and I think you know the kids are starting to realize this is my role, this is how it's going to be, and I got to learn how to play that way. So, uh, but that's been a big challenge for us, which leads to our lack of consistency. Um, and then we, we've had a stretch where we haven't played the top tier teams. 
you know, and now we got to get up for these top tier teams all all together like this. So the schedule, although it was favorable early on, it creates challenges now for us because we don't have a day off here where we can just skate by a game. I mean, every game is going to be competitive from here on out. Well, yeah, that and that modified system means you're going to be certainly putting 100% on the floor. There's no letting off the gas pedal, as it were. That's right. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, fascinating to get the insight on the Cougars, who I don't think we've ever had on the show. So this is wonderful to have you on. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, clearly, the girls love you, so we'll love you right back. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just want to say, uh, you know, D3 basketball, is it, for me, has been a, a real eye-opener. It's a great level of basketball, and um, I don't think it gets the recognition or the credit that it deserves. And then we all know, you know, there's 450 schools across the country that play it. So it's the biz- biggest division out there, and I just think it's great um, that, that you, Dave, and, and your website recognizes this level of basketball because these girls work awful hard really hard and I was an NAI coach for 16 years and I can say that these girls work harder than any level of basketball that I've ever coached so kudos to you and kudos to all those D3 players and coaches out there well coach thanks for the kind words thanks for the uh, insight as well good luck the rest of the way we'll be rooting on the Cougars and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you sometime soon I hope so thank you take care coach all right bye-bye he is uh, Rusty Rogers head coach of the Cougars of uh, Concordia Chicago again 14 and 2 um, not too shabby. Uh, and ten and two in conference play. Big week ahead. Keep an eye on the Cougars. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go out to uh, upstate New York and talk to a Northeast team who's in the East Region. Yeah, it's Hamilton. We'll talk to them coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, this is a Sunday edition of Hoopsville. Reminder, in two weeks on Super Bowl Sunday, we will not be on the air. We will hopefully push that show to Monday afternoon. We have traditionally done it on Sunday afternoon. Honestly, just hasn't been worth it. Uh, we're also in the middle of all the results that are still going on. Sometimes it limits who we can get on as guests. So we're going to actually knock on wood, move that to Monday afternoon. We still need to confirm a few things to be able to pull that off. Uh, so just a heads up. We've never done a show at 7 o'clock on Super Bowl Sunday. We aren't going to start now, uh, and there's no point uh, uh, to do it earlier in the day, but we'll we'll figure it out. Of course, that's coming right after the Hoopsville Marathon. There's been times we thought about not doing a show at all, but there's just too much going on, and so we will not be that crazy. Uh, thanks again to... Um, Rusty Rogers at Concordia Chicago Women's Basketball for joining us. I, I think he had a crowd on hand, by the way. As we were signing off with each other off air, I heard a, a, a bit of a cheer. I think he had a bit of a crowd. Um, all right, so let's jump into Northeast basketball. Of course, talk to the outlier in Northeast basketball. There's that one team who's not really in the Northeast region, who's in the Northeast region. Uh, this happens across the board in a lot of other places, too. But Hamilton in the NESCAC, actually off to a pretty good start to start the season. Had their first loss, though, yesterday. It wasn't pretty. Uh, we can probably dissect that six ways to Sunday, but the better person to understand what's going on with his squad uh, and the Continentals would be to talk to the head coach. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of Hamilton and Adam Stockwell. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Well, thanks for having me. And, and after yesterday, I don't have a crowd, so you're safe from that perspective. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to be around <laughs> you, huh? That's right. That's right. We've lost the fans. But. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, 75-49, I don't think exactly how they say you drew it up. Um, I think a lot of people, if they circled games that could trip you guys up, no matter who the um, how the opponent was doing, Amherst would probably be on that circle. Uh, I don't think Hamilton's ever won uh, at Lafrac, though I could be wrong on that stat. What happened? It was just one of those. Just it was that night. Well, they played great. You know, Amherst. You know, the two senior leaders they have, and Johnny McCarthy and Mike Riopelle are fantastic players, and they really got them going right from the get go. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't respond to that very well. Um, we haven't been playing great for about a week and a half, uh, even though we've been able to get some decent results. And a lot of that came out in how we played yesterday. But Amherst just really gave it to us, and. You know, it's one of those days you can look at 8 million things that you'd like to see better, and we would like to have all of them better moving forward, but nothing really got going for us, and it was a great learning lesson for us, and we hopefully can take a lot from that moving forward, and possibly we'd love to see them down the road again and try to make up for that. Yeah, and that's the other thing about these sometimes. These sometimes can be the perfect loss because it can kind of wake up a team to realize, hey, you are uh, invincible. Uh, you can be beaten. You you have to show up every night and put your best foot forward because otherwise someone's going to nail you. And in the NESCAC, there's very little wiggle room when you only have one round through. Absolutely, absolutely. And we were really fortunate to get past Geneseo on Tuesday. They played a great game. And, you know, the last three minutes we got really lucky to get by with a good result. You know, we obviously weren't very lucky yesterday, but you know, a lot of credit goes to those Amherst guys because they just—they really gave it to us on both ends of the court and made it hard for us to score and came down and were very efficient offensively and obviously, you know, incredibly well-coached team as they have been for years. But you know, it's something that we can take a lot from video-wise. We can take a lot from emotionally and try to build on that. So when we bounce back tomorrow night with Casanova and then certainly the next two weekends on the road up in Maine, we're a little more prepared and a little more ready to get to the level that we're trying to get to here this season. Yeah, that's the other thing is you do have a non-conference game here against Casanova coming up here uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and then you do have a rough stretch here because you go back and forth from Maine twice in two weekends. Uh, I don't think you fly. Otherwise, you'd at least rack up some frequent flyer miles. If you could count the driving miles or the easy pass stops, they'd at least uh, 
or not stops anymore, but um, they'd at least give you some bonus points. Uh, you go to Bowden and Colby this coming weekend, then Bates and Tufts the, Tufts the following weekend. At least you close out with three home games, but still, this is a good stretch of basketball ahead of you, and, and the team's got to be focused. Absolutely, yep. And you know, like you said before, in the NESCAC anyways, all 10 games are just bears. So at some point, you're going to play everybody, and everybody's good, and just know you've got to be ready for it. You hope you can build some momentum going on the road trips. You know, obviously, going up to Maine back-to-back weekends when school's in session is an ideal. You know, it'd be great to have one over winter break and one when school's in session, so the guys don't miss as many classes. But it is what it is, and you know, next year it puts around, and they're coming to us for two weekends in a row, so that helps out a little bit. But you know, we've got to get better at what we're doing. We've got to play better offensively than what we have the last couple of weeks, and certainly. The nights that we don't make shots, we've got to be able to defend and rebound and do the dirty work that, that we didn't see yesterday. So we've got a big week of practice coming up after the Cavs game to get ready for two pretty important games on the road. Yeah, and then after that, um, you'll at least have Middlebury and Williams coming to your place um, to wrap up the regular season in conference. Uh, then you have a game against um, Cobleskill, SUNY Cobleskill, right. on the back end of that, uh, which is the second time I think you're playing them in two years. What's the reasoning with that game at the end? I, I can I can make up my own reasons why I, I think it you know could either make sense or not. But what what's the reasoning from your vantage point for that game? Well, a couple things. Um, you know, during the year when we play the Friday Saturday games in the league, those are just such battles that we really we don't want to get too many three games a week, three games in a week in those situations leading up to that weekend. You know, we play Friday Saturday. Um, we get that game in with Cobble Skill on Tuesday in a week where it could be a lot of practices, which is kind of monotonous at that point in the year because you're, you know, you're really trying to save legs a little bit and keep the guys fresh mentally. You know, not hopefully not playing until Saturday in the next day of playoffs. That gives us another game to just compete and get out there and play against somebody different instead of beating up on each other and practice a little bit. So, a couple different things going into it. We tried it last year. We seemed to like it. The guys seemed to respond. We're excited to have another game instead of you know five six days of practice. Um, so we're giving it a whirl again this year, and you know hopefully we have a chance to play that Saturday after the Cobble School game. So let's be blunt: this team's got three seniors on it. They're not the seniors that lead the way. None of them start. Uh, you're 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 all well. No, one of them starts. I'm sorry, Joe. Yep. Per- sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Uh, sorry, Bucci. Uh, starts for you, but it feels like this team was maybe set up for next year. It feels like you've you've entered this fray a, a season early. Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I think our seniors, even though they're not a leading scorers or have the ball for our minutes, they've been unbelievably instrumental with how this season has been shaped. You know, their attention to detail, their preparation, their focus on getting guys ready to go right from November one has been huge. Um, Joe's had a great year for us as a senior. Jack Dwyer would be in that mix as well if it weren't for an injury earlier in the year, so that's yeah. kind of slowed him down. He was a two-year starter prior to that. Um, so I think the seniors have been incredibly instrumental, even though they're not our leading scorers. You know, obviously, our junior class and, and sophomore Kenny Gilmore have been the guys that have been scoring the most points. Um, but really, the senior leadership combined with that junior class and Kenna have really formed the backbone of what we've been able to do this year. And you know, year to year, you'd love to say the numbers just translate to next year and young guys are going to be better, but those young guys certainly need guys to follow and need leaders to set examples and set the tone for the team, and that's absolutely what our seniors have done this year. So, you know, it's going to be a tough group to lose all three, because even though Matt Moros doesn't play much at all, he's really a guy that keeps everybody on the same page and keeps guys moving forward in a good spirit. Um, so we're trying to make the most of this year for those guys, and 
we've gotten off to a decent start. You know, I would think if, if you asked any of our seniors on November 1st, if we if you could be 15-1 and one following the Amherst game, they'd probably be pretty excited about that. Obviously, it doesn't feel the same today, but I think they would have taken that way back when. Um, so we still, we've had a lot of good things, but you know, big thing for us is we've got to get better um, in certain areas that, that the guys realize a little more clearly now after yesterday. Um, again, it's five starters. Four, three of them are juniors, Peter Hoffman, Michael Grassi, and Tim Doyle. The senior and Joe, as we mentioned, and then a sophomore and Kenna Gilmore. Uh, except for Pucci, all four of those other guys are in double figures. So you've got a really balanced starting group. There's a little bit of a step off in terms of points from the rest of the group that you bring in, but you still go about five deep, maybe even six. You talk about Jack Dwyer, um, and they all bring in a significant amount of minutes. They all play at least a quarter of the game. So this feels like while a lot of the scoring is up at the high end, you're deep. Does that also mean, though, that when you go to the bench, you kind of have to withstand a little bit of things until you can get guys back in and, and kind of pick up the, the the offensive load, as it were. At least and this is what we're seeing statistically. I realize that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, sometimes it depends on the matchup a lot of times. Uh, most of the guys that are coming in off the bench are underclassmen. Um, so obviously you'd love to see the underclassmen act like seniors, but they always have a little bit of up and down, as everybody knows. That's kind of what we've had game to game. But the guys coming off the bench have really had some great nights, and they've had some nights where we kind of had to weather the ship a little bit. But, you know, part of the way we play is really trying to give everybody a big experience on the court and help them get ready for situations down the road, you know, whether it's foul trouble, injuries, illness, whatever it may be. You know, the more guys that get playing time, especially early in the year, hopefully our, our philosophy is they're going to be able to help us more later in the season because um, as you get into January and February in the league, those games become really bears. And Obviously, our core guys are the ones that are going to drive the boat, uh, but those guys coming in off the bench are certainly instrumental to what we're trying to accomplish as well. When you look at the fact you're 14th ranked, though, that will probably change a little bit here. Granted, with 22 losses amongst all the people being voted for, who knows. Um, you're 14th ranked and have been moving up steadily. Is that indicative of how good your team really is? Uh, I know some coaches might look at that and kind of roll their eyes going, oh, geez, come on, I don't know about that. Or, or are we underrating you guys? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think we have the ability on a lot of nights to compete with a lot of teams in the country. You know, I, I can't say that we're the 14th best team in the country, but I think if we're looking at one Friday night in January or February and we're playing against anybody, you know, we can be competitive against pretty much everybody in the country. You know, obviously we weren't yesterday, but I'd like to think that's more the anomaly than not. Um, I think we're one of, you know, 30, 40, 50 teams that are, that are really competitive around the country who do a lot of things against a lot of different opponents. So I do think we've, we've got some guys who can make some plays, but like everybody, you've really got to bring it at a high level, especially in the league that we play in and at the national level. And, that's something that we're still trying to learn a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the secret to this whole season this year. There's so many teams that on any given night can compete with any single team out there, including the top teams in the country. I think that's the craziness of the season. So you kind of put that put that pretty well. Uh, the NESCAC. That makes it fun, though, too. That makes it oh, fun yeah. for everybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It means i got to watch more games, too, which yeah. is Not fun. It's fun. <laughs> Sometimes a wife wants to disown me, but it's fun. Um the NESCAC, though, feels odd. <laughs> I just cannot get my mind around it. Middlebury looked really strong this year. Then they lose three out of five. Now they've beaten Williams, um, but you've beaten, you know, or, or yeah, you they beat Williams. You've beaten Williams. 
and it's this weird little circle. How good is the NESCAC, or is it maybe just a big cluster right now, and somebody's going to survive? Uh, probably, I think the league's very good, but I think it's also a cluster where some different styles of play are going to come in and help people out. Um, you know, obviously Wesleyan is a team that can defend anybody in the country, and they've proven that all year. Trinity has been that as well over time. Middlebury's had a lot of success. Amherst has a ton of talent. Williams is coming off a great season and doing really well again, just to, to name a few right off the top of my head. But I think the league is, is really deeper probably than it's been the last couple of years. Um, there's not many nights where there's a game that you can feel like it's going to be a double-digit margin. You're hoping for that for sure, but it's just it's really, really competitive. There's a lot of deep, deep teams. Um, I know just in my seven years, I don't feel like there's a top one or two that are noticeably better than everybody. It seems a lot deeper than, than what it's been in the last couple of years. Um, and maybe that might end up with everybody beating each other up, but I think the league over the time here this year has shown that there's some pretty good non-conference wins for the league. Uh, just speaks to the volume of the depth of the conference. You're being such an outsider in terms of distance in this league. The single round robin's got to be a little bit of a cumbersome to you because it, I mean, everybody's got to look for non conference games. It's a little bit easier in the Northeast considering you can't, you can't walk down the street without stumbling over a Division three team um, or any college or university for that matter. And while there's certainly a lot of them in New York State too. SUNYAC's got a lot of conference games they've got to play, so it limits when they can play. The Liberty and the Empire certainly are, are full of their conference games, so it limits when you can play them. We notice a cobble skill game at, at the end of the season, which kind of helps fill in that hole. But would a double round robin make more sense for you guys, or do you like this setup and allowing you to play other programs besides NESCAC teams? I like the way it is. You know, it's, it's a lot easier not to have to drive to Maine every year. You know, that, sure. that, those two trips are really yeah. long trips for us. Um, it does, I don't know if it hurts or helps, whatever the term would be, but just I think people are a little less aware when they're looking at the NESCAC of our non-conference opponents because they don't know upstate New York and the East region as well. Um, there's some teams that are really, really strong in this region that probably don't get as much credit as they deserve for being tough teams. Okay. Um, so I think that skews kind of how people look at our non-conference schedule at times. But, you know, I, I think for us it works great. We get to play a lot of local games. We don't have to travel as much. You know, we do have a good number of NEAC schools around. That's the most local conference for us, so we play some of them. Um, but we were able to get to Pennsylvania this year and play two really good teams, Lebanon Valley mm-hmm. and Arabian. Um So I, I think, you know, the, the – Single round, a single round of games for us is, is actually a benefit because we get to get on the road and get to some different parts of the country a little bit as well. Yeah, great insight. Uh, always curious from the NESCAC point of view. I, I literally hear different points, uh, three or four of them, I think. Um, we should point out you played it in high school in New York State. Uh, you went to Lemoyne Division Two for to be a student athlete. By the way, back to the high school thing. Your father? Did I read correctly? You and your father, the only father-son combo that have scored, each scored 2,000 points in New York State High School history or something crazy like that? That's... Yeah, he, he and I are one of two. That's yeah, insane. There's two fathers, sons. Yep. It's, we took about 4,000 shots to get 2,000 points, so that, <laughs> that's what we ended up with. That's crazy. Um, and then you uh, coached in uh, Canisius, for example. You were an assistant coach. We know. I remember the time you were at Clarkson. Now you're at Hamilton. The New York side of that makes sense to me of how you got to Hamilton. But I'm curious what got you to Hamilton. Well, funny enough, uh, when I was growing up, 
uh, we had a legendary coach at Hamilton named Tom Murphy who yes. really took the program to a new level, and he was here for 34 years, won over 600 games. and Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, did a phenomenal <laughs> job and really put Hamilton basketball on the map. And, and when I was growing up, the school that I watched the most was Hamilton College mm. because my, my father had played for Coach Murphy in high school. So, you know, for me to, to see Hamilton kind of as the first campus and first program of basketball that I really followed, to come back here and be able to be part of it and, and try to add to our tradition and history, it's really it was a no-brainer for me to try to find this opportunity. And now that we're here, I'm just glad we're able to start to get our alums excited about the program now that we're back in the NESCAC full-time. That's cool. Uh, nice little reference there. I, I didn't know that, and that's awesome. Um, I, I know Hamilton well. It's a family school. Um, so I can understand the affiliation, the affiliation, I should say. I'm making up words now. I don't know what I'm trying to, you know what I'm trying to. I didn't get into Hamilton, if anyone couldn't tell. I applied, didn't get in, but we all know why. Um, I thought, I thought multiple legacy would help. Clearly they were smarter than I. Um, so, uh, but it's great story on how you guys, or how you got there, but also great story of the season you guys ahead. What's the message to the team here? Um, Obviously, you got two non-conference games here, kind of booking in the rest of the the rest of the season. And as you point out, they got this trip to Maine twice. What is the message to the team, and how do you keep the guys focused here on what is clearly the task at hand after what is going to be, you know, in their minds, a pretty tough loss? I think for them, I think they realize the big picture of what we've done so far this year, but also more importantly, there's a lot more ahead of us, a lot yeah. of hard work, and we do have to get a lot better. You know, I think they, they start to see now, looking back the last couple of weeks, there's some things that were starting to slip a little bit as far as what we're doing on the court. Even though we got some great results, we weren't doing the things that we talked about back in November and December. And I think our guys, and led by those three seniors, they've embraced that. Even getting off the bus last night, coming home from Amherst, you could tell just in what they were talking about that they know there's some things that got to get better. So we always feel like if we keep working to get better day by day, that we do the things that we talked about doing. We feel like the guys that are on the roster now give us a chance to get good results more often than not. So we get back to work after the game tomorrow. If we survive tomorrow with Cavs and they get back to work Tuesday and really trying to get better looking ahead to Friday and Saturday up in Maine. But I think our guys are excited about it. They're ready for the challenge, and they realize that it's a big hurdle ahead just because the league's so good. But we've put ourselves in a good position so far and want to add to that. Well, Coach, thanks for the time. Uh, enjoy the Hilltop, as I'm sure you will. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll enjoy watching the, the squad and seeing how the uh, Continentals do here the rest of the way. As always, we give the Coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about our program and our guys. You know, we've had a great run, but we're looking forward to adding to that the next the rest of the year. And you know, anytime we can talk more about Hamilton athletics or Hamilton College and Hamilton basketball, we're happy to do that. So, really appreciate the opportunity to get on. And you know, we'd love to talk later in March or the end of February as things really start to progress after the regular season. Yeah, that certainly means another thing if you're on the show at that point, right? Yep, absolutely. That'd be a fun talk. Exactly. Well, Coach, thanks so, again. Take care. Thanks, and we'll Dave. talk Absolute. safe travels. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Adam Stockwell joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. I mentioned earlier s just stumbling through uh, Hamilton and beat Williams. They haven't played Williams. They'll, they're going to play Williams. Uh, that will be their last NESCAC game. Again, Casanova non-conference coming up tomorrow, Monday. Then they play Bowden, Colby, Bates, and Tufts in the next two weekends. Bowden and Colby on the 26th and 27th. Bates, Tufts on the 2nd and 3rd. Then they're home on the 9th, 10th against Middlebury Williams. 
big weekend there as long as they have survived where they've gone. And then they'll play on the 13th against Cobleskill before entering the NESCAC tournament. Hats off to Hamilton. Pretty darn good-looking squad there, but clearly they are smart. They know what's ahead of them and what they need to fix up. When we come back, we'll uh, switch genders, head down the coast a little bit, head to Philly. We'll talk to Cabrini Women's Basketball. They are having another good season, bouncing back from a bit of an offseason last year, and they were not picked to win the conference. What is Katie Pearson's squad up to? We'll find out from her. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com, amongst others. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on our Facebook.com slash Hoopsville Simulcast. Uh, join us there where you can interact with people there. I saw head coach of St. Thomas, John Tower, listening to the show just a little bit ago. Uh, appreciate his... Uh, his um what's the word i'm looking for um patron itch um got a question about the pointers earlier steven's point don't worry we're going to talk about them coming up uh don't forget still ahead on the show we'll uh, talk to methodist men's basketball coach david smith we'll also talk to ryan scott in our newly named top 25 double take we'll even talk about what women's squad probably deserves to be in the top 25 but isn't in the meantime, speaking of women's basketball, another team that has had a bounce-back season and is in the lead of their conference standings, though ahead of teams that uh, may have been picked ahead of them. It is Cabrini. I think we got kind of used to Cabrini always being in the conversation. Since 2012-13, they've won 20-plus straight for th four, uh, three seasons, and then we're 19-10 in 2015-16. Last year, bit of an off year, 16-13, 12-4 in the conference. 
They are bounced back. 14-2, 8-0 in conference play. Kate, Katie Pearson, Kate Pearson, has this squad clicking. They were not picked. Gwyneth Mercy was. So, what's up with this team? Just how good are the Cavaliers yet again this season? Joining us on the City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline. It is the head coach of the Cavaliers of Cabrini. Katie Pearson, or Kate Pearson. Coach, thanks for showing us. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'll get your name uh, somehow figured out sometime in my future. Um, curious. Were you expecting the team to bounce back from 16 and 13 as quickly as you guys have this season? Uh, we are, uh, our staff is pleasantly surprised with where we are um, <laughs> okay. right now. So um, we brought in um, a big freshman class and knew there was a lot of talent there. Um, but we had some concerns going in about getting freshmen adjusted, getting chemistry, um, figuring out those factors. And so we are, like I said, more than pleasantly surprised with, uh, <laughs> with what, what we've seen out of our team so far. Um, well, then that answers about six of my other questions. So we'll just uh, <laughs> we'll just end the show here. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it for coming on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is sixteen and thirteen last year, and again we were we were kind of used to you guys playing well, and the and the CSAC kind of being coming through Cabrini. Um, and I guess I figured, okay, it's going to take another year or two maybe for them to come fully back to where they were. I think we expected you to, but I don't think we expected it at the pace you're getting it. Is it because of the upperclassmen, or is it because of this freshman class you came in, as you kind of hinted, and have kind of stepped up quicker than you expected? Uh, I, I think it's a combination. Um, last year we definitely hit with a lot of unlucky injuries, sicknesses, um, roster numbers. We were kind of plagued all over. Assistant coaches went through health issues. You name it, it felt like it happened last year. So we battled through and tried to, you know, put out the best we could. But I think with all everything thrown at us, it was tough. And then this year we have um, a good combination where we have some key contributors coming from the freshman class. But I think our upperclassmen are also setting the tone and showing them, um, you know, the ways to win and showing them the ways and what the, it means to be a part of the Cabrini basketball family. So I think it's definitely a combination. This CSAC, uh, Gwen and Mercy, was picked to, to win it. Certainly they're having uh, a good season, though maybe a little more of a frustration season from their vantage point than they expected. Um, right behind, or actually in between the two of you is Newman, who's 12-5 and five overall and 7-1 and one in conference play. The rest of it seems a little bit of a stretch. Now, Marywood's seven and two in conference, playing nine and nine in in in, uh, in uh, overall, but it basically feels like this is a little bit of a three horse race uh, with maybe Marywood trying to make it a little bit more interesting. Is that a fair assessment of how the CSAC is this season? Um, I think there is, um, you know, some truth in that in terms of top heavy. I think Marywood is a very tough team and um, one that is has a, a mix kind of like us with freshmen who are contributing and some upperclassmen who are some really good players. So I think they are going to be more than contenders um, as we go forward in the season. Um, so for us, we're just kind of trying to focus on one game at a time and seeing who is uh, our next opponent and, and setting our game plan for that. Uh, you just got through a stretch where you got past Newman and you got past Marywood. That's obviously key for this team. It helps you kind of solidify the top spot. But ahead of you, not trying to look past Karen and Centenary, but ahead of you does lurk Gwen and Mercy and Newman a second time. There's you got still a lot of work ahead of you, in other words. Oh, absolutely. And we're in this phase right now where I think um, 
you know, it's that balance between having confidence in winning and we've won a couple of different close games and overtime games, which is really good for our team, but then not getting complacent and making sure that we know that there's still a lot of things we need to get better at. And we're still with a young team making a lot of freshman mistakes. And mm-hmm. so it's a matter of making sure that we really examine, okay, how do we get better? And then the good thing is I think that with some of those freshman mistakes, they are also forgetting them easily. And they're then <laughs> responding and making it, making, uh, making up for those. They might be forgetting them easily, Coach, but that also means they may not remember what not to do next time. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's it's a double edged sword yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I'm telling you, it's been for our staff, you know, at the end of every game we kinda of look at each other like, What just happened? Um, <laughs> because it is a it's been a, a you know, roller coaster of emotions throughout a course of a game. there's it's you know, basketball is a game of runs, but it has felt like that more so than ever for us this year. <laughs> um is a season like last year the perfect way to almost kind of put things in perspective? You guys were having so much success for a good chunk of time, especially since you had gotten there. Maybe some of the players had gotten just kind of gotten used to, hey, this is what we do. Yeah, maybe it's easy or maybe it's not that hard or, or you know, we can get this. Does a season like last year almost the right kind of gut check to remind players and remind even, even coaching staff, for what all I know, or maybe fans, no, this isn't easy. You, you still have to put your best foot forward all 25 games. Yeah, I think it was definitely, um, you know, a little bit of a wake-up call for some of our players, especially like the, your upperclassmen who hadn't really known that kind of season yet. And it was a way for us to kind of reexamine and I think come back this season a little more focused in knowing, okay, we don't want to go through the ups and downs the way that we did last year um, and, and help them kind of refocus their energy. Uh, you're led by a freshman in, in scoring, uh, and, and Kate Lannon. So we, we, it's right back to this freshman conversation. Uh, she's scoring. I just lost it. Sorry. Uh, 12.9 points a game. You have four players in double figures. She's leading the way. Lexi Edwards, 11 and a half, 10 and a half each for Megan Matthews and, and Naomi Washington and Sabrina Hackendorn just under, uh, double digits at nine points a game as well. But again, it's that freshman. It, it's that step up thing. I hear you chuckle. What, what, what's the story behind well, the story? <laughs> well, you know, when you say that, like uh, Lexi Edwards actually, uh, one of our freshman starter, had 31 points today. Kate Lannon had a 31 point game, <laughs> one of the games. Megan Matthews has had 20 point games. Nomi uh, has had a, you know, 20 point game. So the good thing is that. They, they are stepping up, but we have had different people stepping up at different times, yeah. which then it makes it harder for your, um, you know, competitors because when you're not sure who you have to stop, somebody else has been stepping up. But, but Kate Landon has, has been a, a, another pleasant surprise. We knew she could score and do the things, but for her to be the impact that she has, and right now she's coming off the bench, it's a nice weapon to have. Yeah, that's scoring again. Freshman? freshman, sophomore, junior. And yeah, point out, Caitlin has only started two of the 17 games this season. Um, this It feels like you guys hit the jackpot to some degree. Uh, not that we want to look too far ahead, but some of, sometimes it's intriguing. Uh, you got to be kind of licking your lips a little bit at, at what you got coming for next year and, and years beyond if the team's already responding like this this year. Well, like you said, again, we're focusing on, you know, one game at a time, moving forward one year at a time. But we have talked to our freshmen just about the foundation that they have um, because those two kids are contributing. But there's another, you know, five, six of them behind them that are 
contributing in lots of different ways, whether it be in games, in practices. Um, they have a lot of potential to, to continue that. So, And they're just a great group of, of kids who come in and work hard and have fun and, and get along with each other really well. So that's the most important part. Both programs, yours and the men's program, have been have been pretty consistent. Obviously, the men's program made a big splash a number of years ago under Marcus Kahn and, and had you know basically a shot away from a national championship. Uh, but the program has been consistent nonetheless, even after Marcus left in uh, being in the co- top of the conference race. How much do you two feed off of each other? Um, a lot. And I think just at Cabrini in general, a lot of the teams kind of feed off each other, the coaches. It's that in-house competitive. You want to make sure that you're kind of keeping up with everybody else. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed working with Marcus. He was uh, a great mentor for me as I was starting to be able to follow the things that he was setting for his program um, and, and Coach McDonald's same way. We, we work really well together, and that makes it really nice for both coaches and both programs to have that relationship and be able to kind of feed off each other. I know a number of years ago when the, the Scranton job was uh, was up for the taking, there was a lot of people who speculated maybe you would apply and Scranton should hire you and all that. I have no idea if you applied. That's not the point of the question. The point was you've been now at Cabrini for nine years. I know your family is, I think, from the area. Um, and that's a great sentence. I know, I think. Um, I believe your family is from the area. You've been at Cabrini for nine years. This definitely feels like a home for you. Is that the driving force now for you? Have you felt like you've settled into a program that that you look forward to continue running? Uh, yes. I actually, when I went to, I graduated from University of Scranton. When I went there, part of the reason I went there was um, Coach Strong had established there and had been there for um, you know a long time and established a program and a tradition. And when I started out at Cabrini as the assistant and then when I was interviewing and trying to take over as the head coach, that was kind of my thought was what we were able to do at Scranton, I think, comes with that longevity, with establishing a tradition, with being with family. And you are correct that my family is from this area. And my mom was actually the soccer coach at Cabrini for a number of years while I was growing up. So um, it is like home. I kind of grew up around that campus and the Cabrini has a great family within the athletic department and the coaches and athletic directors are all very supportive. So it is um, definitely feels like home for me. Uh, another coach in the conference though, on the other side of the uh, equation on the men's side, uh, our good friend coach Barney per Twitter says, how is she not watching the Eagles? Um, I do know the games at <laughs> halftime. Yes, yeah, I did sneak up. We timed it pretty well with halftime. <laughs> yeah, it is at halftime. Not that I purposely did that, but it worked out well. <laughs> um, you never know with a, with a, an NFL game when halftime truly is going to happen. Uh, Coach, last question before we let go. Last season in the CSAC, you guys will be moving on to the yet-to-be-publicly-labeled uh, conference um, and yet to really know how many teams will be in conference. We can go down that. that that's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, yeah. What, what does it mean to you to be leaving the CSAC after your nine years as a head coach and, and moving on to something else? Now, granted, half the conference is going to be familiar to you, but you know, what, what are your thoughts and, and your, uh, your, your thinking as you move forward here? I think anytime there's a, there's a change of conference, there is some you know, hesitation, nervous feelings, anxiety, but I think there's also excitement with that. So with this, you know, we look for it as a new opportunity to try and grow um, the conference to become really competitive, and we want to try to compete with some of the other conferences around the area that are really well known and are um, looking for opportunities to expand and get into postseason play with more than just the AQ. So, 
Um, we're excited about it, but we're, again, really focused on this being the last year in the CSAC and really trying to finish it strong um, this way so that we can kind of go out on top. Yeah, I could see that being an underlying little thing. You'd love to win this on the way out. That's not a bad thing at all. Uh, Coach, thanks for your time. Uh, I'll let you get back to the Eagles game. I suspect halftime's probably running out here. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think they've scored enough, apparently. Um, yeah. Good luck the rest of the way. Look forward to talking to you as uh, later in the season, hopefully. Uh, and uh, enjoy this freshman class. It certainly looks like it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much, and thanks for everything you do to support um, Division Three and the basketball programs on both sides. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. We give a final word. Any final other final thoughts we should share? I guess go birds. There you go. Well done. <laughs> Coach, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Kate Pearson joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline again. Cabrini having a tremendous season under that freshman class primarily, though the seniors are there too, and there's other classmen we should point out. 15-2, 8-0 in conference play. They are 8-1 on the, at home, but they're dangerous on the road too. They're 6-0 and on the road. Their two losses are either at home or on a neutral floor. Um, again, coming up, they'll take on Karen coming up on Wednesday. They then have Centenary of New Jersey coming up next Saturday. They round out the, the month against Gwinnett Mercy, uh, all three of those games at home. That uh, Gwinnett Mercy game on January 31st on Wednesday. Uh, and then they finish four of their last five on the road. So the next three at home and then four of their next five on the road. Uh, Going to take another break. When we come back, we will jump down to the South region and we will talk Methodist men's basketball. They were picked actually to, to, to lead the USA South, but I, they still feel like they're having a better season than maybe a lot a lot of people anticipated. We will talk to the, the uh, Monarchs coming up and still ahead. It is uh, top 25 double take with Ryan Scott. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles, the he should have had bets, and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments 
that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoop Show, everybody. Oh, do we have the mic on? There we go. Yeah, it's on. Sorry, my little levels didn't bounce. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, you are watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Again, if you got questions for us, you can interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or hashtag Hoopsville. You can uh, join us on Facebook on our live stream, our simulcast of the stream, I should say, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, you also have uh, the means of emailing us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Checking out all the avenues possible to see if you got questions, and we will try and answer them if you have them. If you don't, no big deal. Hope you're enjoying the show as well. Should point out, by the way, of course, podcasts, if you're listening to that, thank you. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, which is basically this show from start to finish audio only, it is on iTunes, and we're just going to try and get it up on Google Play recently. We had forgotten to do that in recent. Hopefully that will be available too, so you can get Hoopsville any way, shape, and form. You can even follow it on SoundCloud. All right, so we're jumping back down to the South region, talking about a team that, again, when I went and did my research, I did notice that they were uh, picked to win their side of the conference. Um, but I still feel like maybe they're playing a little bit above themselves or maybe above their own expectations might be a better way. I could be wrong, but that's why we have coaches on the show. 13-3 and overall, 8-1 and in conference play. The conference is the USA South. The team is Methodist. And actually, they've got a fascinating game ahead, amongst others. We want to check in with them. So joining us on the City of Salem Skype Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Methodist Monarchs. It is David Smith. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Yeah, good to be here. I appreciate it. Um, so first and foremost, again, you're picked to do well in the conference, but you're 13-3. and Your three losses, non-Division three high point. Uh, Guilford, 79-62 back in early December. And then Maryville back uh, well, about a, 10 days ago. Uh, maybe a week or so ago. you got to be pretty thrilled with the season. Is it going as well or better than you expected? It's going about how we were expecting it okay. to go. We, we thought we would be pretty good. we got three or five seniors returning, and, and they're awful good. I feel like we've got uh, you know, five seniors that stack up against anybody in the country. And now we're really getting um, some of our younger guys to start contributing, and I think that's making a little bit of a difference. When you look at what you've been able to accomplish, your team seems to be high scoring, but perfectly happy to play slowdown games. I mean, a Swanee game, 64-60, and then a couple days later against High Point, it's 99-63. There's 112, the 92 game against LaGrange, and I realize sometimes that's the other programs and what they're trying to run. Um, but are you guys comfortable in any game that you kind of get into? Yeah, I think so. We, we we pride ourselves in our defense. I guess sometimes if the other team's scoring a lot of points, it doesn't look like it. But we feel like we can we can make some stops and uh, and uh, especially towards the end of the game. Um, you know, some of the games can be a little deceiving because it's uh, they're a little bit high paced. Um, but we, uh, we we figure we can do about it. Play any any way we need to play because we we can be a grinded out team. But uh, we got some guys that can score too. Yeah, you mentioned this is a this is a pretty experienced team. You've got, what did you mention, five seniors on it, um, which certainly is going to help in any way, shape, and form when you have that much experience. But I also see a good number of freshmen on this team. We just got done talking to, to Cabrini's women's coach, whose freshmen have stepped up in a big way. How much is this the seniors and their leadership and what you expected out of them? And how much has the underclassmen stepped up in ways maybe that you didn't expect? Well, I, I was expecting our seniors to do very well, and I didn't know if I was going to start all five of them, but I, I have been starting all five of them, and, and they do they do great. But my The key for us, it looks like from here on out, is uh, getting them some rest during the game. You know, I don't want to play in 35 minutes each. Uh, I, I need those those freshmen and sophomores to 
to give me some minutes, and uh, and they've been doing a really, really good job over the last uh, maybe two weeks now. So we're, we're building. We're building. That certainly makes some sense. Uh, you would love to get some rest on along the way. Uh, of course, USA South is split up. Uh, there's two standings, as it were. You're on the one side. Uh, you've got the lead over North Carolina, Wesleyan, by two in conference. Uh, they're 8-8 eight eight overall, 6-3 and three in conference play. And then it's everybody else. Averett's 2-4, and four, Greensboro's 2-6. and six. How much is this? Uh, and we should say on the other side, Maryville's 9-0, and oh, uh, Piedmont's 6-3, and three, and I think uh, you have already played Maryville, if I'm correct. Right. Well, yeah, and you unfortunately yeah. lost to him by 10. So how much of this is making sure you stay in position where you are in your conference, but also staying in position just in case Maryville gets tripped up so things can maybe come through uh, you know, Fayetteville, North Carolina, instead of heading out to Mayorville. Yeah, I know. That was a big game. We we played the other side of the division just one time, and this right. happens every year we go to Maryville instead of them. They came to us last year. And so a little bit of a unfortunate, but, you know, you still you got to win the game. And uh, and they got us, so they got the advantage right now. But uh, if they slip up in a game, or well, really they have to slip up in two, and we have to win out in order to host and, um, you yeah. know, they're playing really well, so I don't know if that's going to happen. It, was that one of those games where it slipped away, one of those games where they just flat-out earned it, one of those games you guys let get away? Yeah, well, we played really well the first half. I mean, we played about as well as we can play, except for maybe tonight. And um, and then I don't know if we got complacent or, you know, Maryville just – they had a, they had a great second half, and, uh, and they caught us, and, and we had like a – 13, 13 point lead in the first half, uh, playing really well, and they just got after us, and we kind of was not playing our game anymore. And they 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 had a great second half. But you know the two teams that have beaten us this year, I'm not counting High Point as a Division One school, right? But the Guilford and Maryville, both the teams that beat us this year, they had to play very well in order to beat us, and uh, and they did, and so they deserve that, that those wins against us. What what do we make? I mean, Methodist honestly hasn't been in the conversation for a lot of people in Division Three. I think um, there's more questions than there are answers, rightly or wrongly, about the program because we don't know it as well. What kind of how important is a season like this to kind of enter re-enter maybe the conversation? And say, look, here we are. We're in the USA South. We are a good program. And how much will that help you with recruiting? How much will that help you with scheduling? How much will it just help you with, in having a national conversation about the fact that USA South has more than just a handful of teams? Yeah, well, anytime uh, we, we do well, then it's, uh, you know, people take notice. And, uh, you know, we've, we've beaten, you know, teams that we we're supposed to beat, and we've beaten a few teams that maybe uh, people didn't think we were going to beat. And, uh, you know, people take notice of that. And, you know, we've won games in a row. We've, uh, we've won different ways, as you mentioned. And so we're, uh, we're, we're pleased with how things are. I don't know who, who notices things. I know that... Uh, the South probably doesn't get as much attention as maybe it, it, we think it, we ought to, but uh, uh, there's some good teams down here, no doubt. You've got a really fascinating game coming up. You're going to take on Pfeiffer, which is enter the conference, though they're not technically a Division Three school as of yet. They're in the process. They're yeah. in Division Three. they got the four-year process, et cetera. They're coming off their D2 roots. Uh, they have been destroying teams <laughs> left and right. This is a fascinating game. Do, do you have to take it as seriously as you would any other game, or is this one of those games? I mean, this is it's a loaded question. I know. I'm just kind of curious with such a dynamic there, how you approach it. Yeah. Well, 
you know, they're playing a lot of teams in common. And so we're, you know, when we scout out the teams we're getting ready to play, they're playing them. But I'm telling my assistant coach, listen, I don't want to see any of their stuff because it's not going to show us what we need to do to prepare. And so I, I haven't really looked at them. I, I've kind of been hearing, you know, I've seen the scores and all. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll really look at it tonight and tomorrow and uh, to get ourselves ready for the game Wednesday. I know they had a, they had a tough game tonight. They played Maryville and uh, lost like 84 to um, 59 or something. Wow. It's really unusual. So we're, we're going to watch the film and see what happened. Maybe they had some guys sitting out or something. I, I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll look at the film and see. Uh, what happened, and um, maybe we can duplicate what, what Maryville did on Wednesday. Yeah, interesting. They lost both this weekend. They lost Covenant 105-101. They lost to Maryville today, as you said, 84-59. Of course, we should point out again, you played this weekend 179-68 over Huntington at home, and you beat LaGrange 112-92 uh, at home. Pfeiffer will be the non-weekend game. It's in the middle of the of the thing here. You don't have a lot of home games left. This is one of four the rest of the way you'll have five road games so i guess it's 50 50 to some degree it's important to hold on to the home court you gotta you gotta win at home i'm assuming it's all starts there and then worry about the road games yeah well you know you always think at the beginning of the year let's uh win our home games and split our you know away games and we'll be uh, we'll be in pretty good shape but we just feel like we need to win all our games and just win out and uh, you know be peaking at the end of the year uh, let's talk about the teams uh, statistically. Just jumping out, almost twenty points a game from uh, Devion Ayabarano. Uh, very good, nice try. Thank uh, you. I figured <laughs> I'd swing and miss on that one. How do we say it? Uh, Davion Ayabarino. Wow. Years to figure it out, and his high school coach used to try to tell me how to say it. He said it took him four years to figure it out too. So you basically say every single letter that's there. Yeah. Uh, 20 points a game for him, six rebounds a game, two assists a game on top of all of that. Shoots pretty well from the floor at 52%. Uh, Brian, is it Rouse? Rouse. It is Rouse. I was, was going to guess. There's a guy in our area named Rouse. 17 points a game. Uh, Jackson Whitley, uh, though, I can't ignore the double-double. 13 points a game, 11.5 rebounds a game. Shoots 58% from the floor. Uh, by the way, he's not going to shoot a lot from deep, but he'll, he'll hit a fair share. Uh, pretty good free throw shooter as well. And then another double-figure guy in Troy, uh, Troynell uh, Reese, 10.5 points a game. And then uh, we should mention Ray uh, Hall, 9 points a game as well. That's a nice dichotomy there. you got four guys in double figures. you got some decent rebounders in there. They all seem to distribute the ball pretty well. Well, maybe except for Reese. Uh, Hall's four assists a game is an insane number. It seems like a very balanced unit. Yeah, well, there, we got some weapons so that uh, teams preparing for us has to – you know, look at each of those guys and say, well, what do we take away or what can we take away? And then they take that away. Well, somebody else steps up. The other night, uh, Troy had 20, 25 points, you know, and, um, uh, and I don't know if they were expecting that. And uh, But it's a good thing he did because we needed him. <laughs> uh, every time it just works out perfectly for you. Um, when you when you look at the fact that this may be the program's best start, not only in 40 years, but in program history. Uh, I know, I know your SID is still trying to dive into the archives to double check. That means a lot. Yeah, you know, that, that's not just, Oh, we expected to have a good season. You're having a great season, even by your own standards. Um, what, it, what does that mean to you as the head coach and, and, and this program? Well, I've been around for a while, so I've seen some, you know, some good teams here. I, I played here too, so I, yeah. see, I saw some teams when I was playing that were awful good. Um, I mean, our '97 team made it to the Elite Eight, so that was they were very good. 
And we started the year two and seven, so that was, uh, that, was <laughs> that was a tough start. We didn't yeah. know we were that good, but we we kind of thought we were. And you know, in the early two thousand three, four, five, we were we were really good then too. Made the NCAA's, and um, and so we've had some good good teams. And so I knew these guys coming back, and, and it always goes back to the senior leadership. If you got seniors, it makes a big big difference for you, and and that's what we got this year. And you you point out you're there eighteen seasons. The other thing too is you guys. Um, we're in the Dixie Intercollegiate Athletic Conference at one time, and have, have transitioned as it were. So you kind of know what everybody goes through, including like a Pfeiffer. Did it? Is it? A, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how easy? How hard is it in some way? For what? To to make that kind of transition, not only in the USA South, but in a change of of of, of mentalities. I guess is is the. Are you talking about Pfeiffer and Brevard and them? Yeah, and all them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine it's got to be difficult because they've got to change, you know, kind of their way of thinking, the way they recruit, you know, the way they schedule because it's D- Division Two and Division Three are different. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're having to adjust to that, I think. And it, uh, yeah, I would imagine it'd be tough. Any kind of change is tough. You get a new coach, it's, you know, the start is a little tough unless you got unbelievable talent. Well, you've been in that region for so long as well. You certainly know the talent that's down there. You also know this influx now into Division Three. What what are what are we as non Southerners not seeing about the schools down there that has made Division Three so enticing? I mean, we've got a bunch of others that are making them like Bob Jones. Granted, that's a very different college and a different mentality. But what's the mentality here that the Brevard and a Pfeiffer have decided to make this move? Uh, well, I'm not sure why they did. I think they just want a better fit for them. You know, it could be um, uh, geographic geographically, or it could be financial. I I don't know all those details, but uh, I know they think that it's a better fit them as a as a school and as a uh, athletic program does it change the recruiting i mean because they're no longer scholarship or now you don't have to deal with them as a scholarship schools has it changed your recruiting in any way has it changed the recruiting landscape in any way well, well those particular schools i don't recruit against too okay. much more the d2s closer to you know fayetteville in our area that i would i would deal with more as far as you know competing um, for recruits okay so, those actually wouldn't be ones that I'd probably deal with a whole lot as far as competitive recruiting. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's just curious. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the two schools who may be leaving for Division Two. How much does that really change the landscape of things? How much does the scholarship scenario change? So I was just curious since you kind of have some in those areas. Now, the USA South has gotten huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten ginormous. Um, is, there, is there a point where it's gotten too big? Uh, well, I guess some of the coaches might think that, but okay. uh, you know, we, um, you know, it's a it's a nice little footprint there to be covering Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, North Carolina, Virginia, and uh, I guess you know maybe we'll get somebody from South Carolina one day um, in Georgia. So it's a it's a it's a nice you know group right there, and uh, uh, we'd like to attract a few uh, uh, teams right here in North Carolina as well, which we have with Brevard and, and Pfeiffer coming in. So I think it's a good fit. I don't know if there's going to be a a break off at some point, uh, you know, two different leagues. But uh, right now, I, I kind of like it. I like it. I like the big league. It, it helps me with schedule. And I don't have to worry about too many games to schedule. So that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, it's all done for you, basically, by yeah. <laughs> automatically. Uh, before we let you go, I asked this earlier of a coach. I'm curious. You're playing so well. You seem to be doing well. Obviously, you got a lot to play ahead. We, we're not – Discounting that, you still have Ferrum ahead. Um, you still have Averett, who's a tough opponent, North Carolina, Wesleyan, et cetera. However, um, 
you may have a good record, but I have a feeling every coach can find something wrong. What aren't you guys doing well? Well, I, I don't want to base it on tonight because we played really, really well tonight. <laughs> and uh, so that was a good thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think building depth on our team is probably the one thing that we're really working on hard in, in practice and in trying to, you know, get that into the games. And, and we, we feel like we're moving in the right direction. And so by, you know, time we reach conference, the conference tournament, then uh, we should have a good rotation and the guys will know their roles even better and, and feel more comfortable out there. I think that's one of the big things with the freshmen is they don't really feel comfortable out there as far as running our plays or rotating in our defenses. Um, I think that's the one thing they're getting. They're starting to get comfortable there. And, and the only way they're going to get comfortable is getting out on the floor and playing. And then over the last two weeks, we've probably been able to get them out there more. And I think that's going to be a difference because our five starters are going to do well. They're really good. And, uh, but they're not going to do really well if they got to play 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You, depth helps, especially when you get into the tournament time or if you get into foul trouble, you know, you can go to guys uh, who can help you for brief periods of time. Yeah. I can understand that entirely. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Fascinating to learn more about Methodist. I hope we can learn more about you guys in the future as the Monarchs continue to play well. Good luck the rest of the way and especially in the USA South tournament. Uh, we look forward to seeing how maybe we'll see you in March. That'd be fun uh, to see you guys uh, playing in the tournament as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those yeah. who may be tuning in? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad everybody's uh, hopefully a lot of people are tuning in. I think all my players are. Hey, guys, um, <laughs> have a good we got the day off tomorrow so they can get they can rest their bones. And uh, so it might work out for us. We got Pfeiffer on Wednesday and uh, we'll have a great practice uh, on Tuesday getting ready for, for Pfeiffer coming in here on Wednesday night. Well, good luck. As I said, uh, fascinating. I, I'm, I'm just interested in watching the Pfeiffer game for the same reasons you are. What happened this weekend? Um, good luck. Watch it. Yeah, and we'll take care, and we'll talk soon, okay? All right, thank you. Absolutely, thank you, Coach. Joining us on the City of Salem Skype Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of Methodist, David Smith. Again, the team, uh, maybe the best in program history, or at least the last 40 years, 13-3, and 8-1 in USA South play. They got Pfeiffer coming up. Then on the road, Farham and Averett next weekend. When we come back, we'll do a double take on the top 25. Ryan Scott joins me. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We 
we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Appreciate you taking the time. If you listen to the podcast, we appreciate that as well. Um, again, podcast has always been available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just discovered we should have had it on Google Play as well. We are working to get that finished. It could be done by now. We don't know. But uh, it is in the process and then just another avenue for everybody to tune in. If you got questions for us for this last segment, including myself and Ryan Scott, who will join me momentarily, email them, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook Live, where our simulcast of the show is ongoing, or uh, some of people have chatted through us through uh, YouTube as well. So lots of ways you can do it. We hope you'll take the opportunity if necessary. All right, so I said this at the beginning. In the top 25, those in the top 25 and everybody everybody's voting for in the top 25 on their ballots, there were 22 losses amongst 20 teams. On the women's side, there were two losses amongst two teams. I'm not talking just top 25. I'm talking all the teams voters are voting for, which means it gets complicated. You think, oh, somebody lost, they'll move. Well, voters are voting for all of those 20 teams. What do you make of it? Well, that's the new segment here on Hoopsville Sunday Nights. It's the Top 25 Double Take. And joining me via the City of Salem Hoopsville Skype hotline, it is Ryan Scott. What has become quickly a popular segment, according to what you've heard, sir. Uh, yeah, I was at uh, the Swarthmore Dickinson game yesterday, and I had a whole bunch of people come up to me and, and say uh, they really appreciated not just the show, but the segment that we do and, and being able to talk about the, the top 25. And I've heard from lots of people all over the country that they, they enjoy at least getting into our heads a little bit on what we're thinking as we vote. Yeah, I think some people don't want to get into our heads necessarily, according to what I was reading elsewhere, but that's okay. Um, we're, we're not perfect. We're two of 25 voters on the men's side. i got 22 pages in front of me here. I know you've already started looking through it of teams that I need to consider. And I made a comment behind the scenes, and I mentioned it earlier today. It feels like the pool's getting deeper, and not because, not necessarily because it's getting better, but because everybody's losing. It's bringing other teams into the conversation who have similar resumes now. You disagreed uh, to some degree. I Maybe I'm just a little strange, but uh, <laughs> I try to give teams the benefit of the doubt to start the season. And I feel like all the losses this week have started to separate, you know, teams that we maybe don't need to pay attention to for now, uh, as opposed to in the future. I felt like this was the easiest ballot I've done this year. Um, wow. Now, it was a little more difficult once you're, you know, deciding, like, do I put this team seventh, eighth, or ninth? That's a little more difficult. But, yeah. like, in terms of figuring out which teams belong on the ballot, I felt like this was the easier one for me. Um, you hinted at something I was trying to say on the boards this week, and I don't know if I said it right. Um, I haven't been way too busy to go back, and honestly, I don't have time to read through all the pages and try and respond. But I was trying to indicate that my number 10 and my number 25, to me, are close. Yes, the distance numerically between 10 and 25 is large. I get that. But in my head, 10 to 25 and every team in between 
can be jumbled around six ways a Sunday, and if I could, I'd put them all at 20. Mm-hmm. Because they all feel to some degree to be on the same plane, to be on the same level. I just have to order them in some way. And so while 10 and 25 seem a long distance away, in my mind, I could do that a dozen times and have them in a dozen different places. Yeah, I, I feel like that's been the case for most of the season. This is sort of the latest in the year that I've gotten to this point that it feels like I've got kind of a handle on how things are going. Obviously, you know, it's going to change as there are wins and losses the rest of the season. But, like, I, I feel like almost everybody I have higher than I'd like them to be. But I feel like the order that they're in, I'm relatively comfortable with. Which hey, uh, is sort I'm going to send you my ballot. You go ahead and fill mine out. Um <laughs> Again, we had 22 losses amongst 20 teams in the top 25 and receiving votes category, and I think that's important because it means everybody that people are voting for. So everybody's ballot took a hit is what I'm trying to get at. Now, maybe we can blame a little bit of that on the WIAC because we have, what, one, two, at least three teams in the top 25, right? Or maybe just two. Three. No, it is three. There it is. And we have at least one more in the top 25, and they're all being beaten by one who's not in the top 25. We can yeah. probably blame a little bit of the NESCAC because they're doing the same. So maybe some of this is because of two conferences. I get that to some degree. Was there any result, and we'll get to our, our big big questions here in a moment, but I wanted to ask you this. Was there any result that you spotted this week that actually caught you by surprise? Uh, you're putting me on the spot here I now, know. Dave. Sorry about prepare that. prepare for this question. I'm sure there is. It doesn't come up to the top of my head uh, at the moment. Um, I think there were a lot of a lot of losses. I mean, maybe that yeah. was the biggest surprise, you know, yeah. and, or the fact that like we, the three big WIAC teams all lost on the same night, and it wasn't even that much of a surprise. You know, True. that might be more telling of how the season's gone. <laughs> couple couple things that jumped out to me: Oshkosh losing twice, uh, John Carroll losing to Baldwin Wallace but beating Marietta. Um, I think that's just because that added to more confusion. Um, and I think the other thing that jumped out at me was the fact that in the UAA, all the road teams won on Friday. And on the women's side, all the road teams won all, all the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. What, while you were saying that, I was just thinking, uh, the one that stuck out to me most was was uh, Nebraska Wesleyan 99, Wartburg 60. Yeah. Not necessarily that Nebraska Wesleyan would lose that game at home, but, you know, 39 <laughs> points against a pretty decent team was sort of surprising. Yeah. Uh, especially because I hadn't been real high on, on what Nebraska Wesleyan could do this year. And so that was well, a bit of a surprise. Well, after they entered a conference play and immediately stubbed their foot, I'm like, okay, never mind. Yeah. Now Wartburg looks like it's coming off the rails, along with Ohio Wesleyan looks like it's coming off the rails. It is crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to know. And, and that's been really going through my ballot this time. Uh, at least what stood out to me was I looked a lot more at the losses because there's so many teams that have three, four, five losses. Um, I, I, what re- I separated them, at least this time, was which ones were a little more understandable than others, um, and then pairing that with the wins that they were able to have in order to rank the teams. Yeah, it's certainly fascinating out there, to say the least. Hey, let's, uh, let's get to our actual questions here um, before we waste any more time. Of course, we call it the Triple D. Um, we have the Dubious. We have the, uh, the, um, the uh, no, hold on. I missed one. Deep dive. Deep dive and the debate. Yeah, sorry. There we go. So the dubious, the deep dive, and the debate. Uh, we'll start with dubious. And, sir, go ahead and l- let me have who you think is your dubious. So I know we just talked to them, had them on. Uh, Hamilton is one that I've, I'm really scratching my head with um, at this point. 
Um, obviously, 15 and one is a great record. They've had some wins that maybe we didn't expect them to get. Uh, you know, Wesleyan and 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 I'm not sure about Trinity what we expected there, but um, you know, losing the way they did to Amherst the other night sort of um, puts a lot more question marks back into things. I didn't think their their early season schedule was as strong as as maybe it could have been. I didn't have them very high up there, um, and and now I'm not sure they're worth voting for. Incidentally, I did end up keeping them at the very bottom of my ballot because there weren't a lot of other good options mm-hmm. down there. But uh, I'm a little skeptical, especially how high they are on, on many people's ballots. I'm hoping I didn't repeat. I'm not repeating myself. I've got about three dubious, and I'm trying not to repeat myself because I've talked about these three teams before. But I'm going to go with Whitworth. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mention them last week, did I? I don't think so. I no. think that was we talked about Williams a little bit, but Whitworth is the other one that's kind of Whitworth, got a similar. Yeah, Whitworth's style. on mine. They're fifteen and two. Uh, nothing in their game against Whitman blew me away. I know they're playing without their best point guard, which is why I think they're a little bit dubious here. Um, I also think they're a young team that is playing very well. I'm not saying they're not a good team. I just don't think they're seventh best in the country. Uh, Willamette took them to two points. Uh, Willamette's okay, not great. Uh, and Linfield gave him a game, though Linfield, I think, is much improved. Don't get me wrong. And I know Linfield gave Whitman a pretty good game. So I'm going to go with Whitworth here. Whitworth doesn't have a lot on their resume that blows me away. North Central is improving. I'm liking yep. what I'm seeing now from North Central, though they also lost on Saturday to Elmhurst. Um, and they have a couple other games that I didn't like that are starting to look better. But nothing from having watched Whitworth blows me away like the old Whitworth teams. I feel like... Maybe we're just like, oh, Whitworth's good again. They they must be good. Um, and I and nothing in Matt Logie's squad. I think they're a good unit. I just don't think they're seven good. I think they're twenty good. Um, yes, I ended up slotting them in at sixteen for this week. Um, and there's a number of teams right around there that are all similar. Yeah. Um, you know, they've only got two losses, and I think this is going to be a season in which consistently winning games is going to prove to be <laughs> really Fair. beneficial for you by the end. Um, Fair. they've got, you know, they're, they're missing, uh, Lester, right. As the point guards. Yes. Um, Out that's going to hurt them. Obviously, presumably the got, season. They've got some real talent on that team still, and they can, they can play with people and hang with people. And their, their only losses, you know, Whitman. And then the loss to Wheaton is looking a lot better. I don't think Wheaton was playing all that well when they beat Whitworth, very but, possible. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they don't have bad losses and they're winning the games that they play. So, uh, you know, they, they deserve to be on there at this point. Just maybe not, like you said, as high as, as they yeah. are. And, and Hamilton's the same with – by the way, I should circle back. I, I kind of agree with you on Hamilton. Uh, I like how they are. I do have Hamilton high. I have them at 11. But it's in that 10 to 25 slot where I could throw them anyway six ways to Sunday. Um, but, yeah, uh, Hamilton. By the way, on my own ballot, I think uh, I've discovered that maybe I'm a little too high on Wesleyan. Um, well, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, let's move on to deep dive. So basically, I'm I should see- point out this is a team that we think um, isn't getting votes or barely getting votes because I think we need a little latitude uh, and probably should be, even if we're not voting for them ourselves. So I'm doing a little uh, cheating here because this team has not gotten any votes yet. Uh, and, of course, the the small little minnow that nobody nobody's ever heard of before in Stevens Point uh, which now has a two-game lead in the WIAC uh, after uh, winning a couple more games this week. Um, and uh, to me, the biggest thing, and the, the reason that I was most 
dubious early in the season is they're doing it without their best player. Ethan Bublitz is, is out for the season, I believe, right? He is out for the season. And uh, he's a really strong player, really good shooter. Uh, uh, one of the guys we noticed when they were at the Hoopsville tournament last year that, that had a bright future and hopefully still will when he gets recovered. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, he's out for the season. Hopefully, we'll be back next year. Uh, he tried to play on whatever he had going, and it clearly wasn't going to go well, and so uh, he's out. Yeah, I, I can't necessarily dive in there yet. Um, I still remember the five losses. Two of them happened right in front of me. I know they played Whitman hard. I'm not surprised. Uh, Pop Semling always has a good defensive team. I'm never surprised when a team struggles against them, ever. Am I surprised that the entire conference has lost to him already in the first half of the conference schedule? Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm impressed. But I also know there's a second turn to this. And well, they haven't played Oshkosh yet. That's the next well, game up. Thank so. you. I, 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 did for, I neglected those. one. You're right. Um, but Oshkosh is reeling, too. Um, I, I just kind of expect Stevens Point to have a two-game lead at the turn. But um, <laughs> I, the five losses, I don't see them as a huge threat because i think when they hit the second half those schools are gonna now if stevens point gets past a couple of the big boys the second time i will absolutely change my opinion on this but right now as much as they're leading the WIAC, i can't negate what i've seen both in person and on video i don't understand why they're there outside of maybe the other teams just are having bad nights i got to give them some credit that where they are i just i can't vote just yet because the other problem too is opening up the door to 12 and 5 team on my ballot is going to open up a ton of options for other teams in similar situations but that's just me personally but uh, yeah steven's point has me torn they really do i mean the, the what made the difference to me is that you know this team doesn't have a lot of names right they don't have stars Similar uh, to their championship, it, their last championship year. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. They won a national championship without yeah. any name anybody would recognize. Um, that's kind of the, the – they're almost better when they don't have a start. You know, that's just the way that they play. And they've been putting up – you know, I watched two of the games since Christmas. You know, they're they're playing well. And uh, it, it, the WIAC – I think some of those teams that have more consistency in the past just aren't this year. They've got good games and bad games. You've seen that from Whitewater and River Falls, that they can look like the best team in the country one moment, and two days later they can look like a mediocre one. So yeah. uh, Stevens Point may just win out because they're consistent. No, I'll give it. That's absolutely true. Uh, they absolutely And nobody over 6'2 or 6'4 on that team. Yeah, I'll give that to you. My deep dives Transylvania. I, I I don't know if I've, I'm accurate on this or not, but but something about the Pioneers has impressed me. They're 13 and four this season. Um, their last loss coming to Mount St. Joseph is the one that does concern me. Uh, they had a heck of a battle against Emory um, back at the turn of the new year, back on the 29th, uh, beating Emory 87-83. Um, uh, they did lose to Emory and Henry, but again by four. Um, and I'm voting for Emory and Henry. Uh, there's something about what the pioneers are putting together. I like. I, I and granted, we should always also remember the the, bl- the absolute destruction of Hanover uh, that they handed them. The 16 point spread was not anywhere indicative of where that game really was. That said, their loss to Mount St. Joseph has me a little concerned. So I might. I, I feel like my deep dive could be a little bit trepidatious here. But there's something about what's going on there in Lexington that's got me interested. Uh, they're flying well off the radar. Um, 
I know Brian Lane, I don't think, is getting the best out of his team. At, at least I bet that's what you would ask him. I, I'm sure we'll get him on a show sometime if they keep this up. But uh, if we're really going to go deep dive to a team you should be keeping an eye on, I think it's Transylvania. Yeah, and they're, uh, I mean, it's a team I looked at. I, I didn't really put them on my list, mostly because they've got the return trip to Hanover in three days. True. And I kind of want to see that game before yeah. uh, I really invest in that. They've also got to go on the road to, to Rose Holman after that. So this will be a this will be an important week for them. If they can win both those games, they're definitely definitely going to be up up uh, uh, worthy of voting, I think. And, and while I haven't voted for him, and I may not vote for him this week, uh, you, the reason I may not vote for him is what you've just mentioned. Going to Hanover and the Rose Holman games. I want to see him get through that before I maybe jump fully. But I like what I'm seeing so far, even if Brian Lane doesn't like what he's seeing from his team. Again, that Mount St. Joseph game has me a little concerned. But again, Mount St. Joseph isn't, Joseph isn't that bad. The HCAC race may just be more interesting than we're giving it credit. Um, so that's your deep dive, and now our debatable. Um, and this one, we don't really, I don't think we really have two different teams. We just pick one and, and go for the debate. Um, and, sir, you, you, you had a couple. Which one are you going with? I think we're going to talk about John Carroll. Sounds good. Uh, you were a little higher on them early in the season. I I've been all over not, the place with them. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, had not, I don't think, voted for them. Maybe just last week. Um, but I've been I've been a little skeptical of them. So what what are your impressions so far? So my my I have been all over at the beginning of the season. I had absolutely no interest in John Carroll. Um, I thought it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. I wasn't that convinced uh, off their start. Uh, I know they had a, a lost amount union that kind of maybe solidified it for me. I'm like, see, they're, they're not great. But then they just kept doing things. Um, I, and then the loss to Hope got me a little concerned again. My, my, it came down to this. They, they have beaten Marietta twice. I know Marietta may, not, I think Marietta may be a team overrated by some. But they've beaten Marietta twice. They have, according to a head coach I was talking to today, probably the best point guard, not named Nate Axelrod. Um, who transferred from Division II, where he was a top star there as well. Um, they have a very prolific offense under now younger Moran. Uh, that's clearly indicative in their point scoring, and I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm I can see that. I do have a major concern that has had me have them all over my top 25. They gave up 104 points to Hope in a loss. Uh, Baldwin Wallace, their loss this week. Um, they didn't put up enough points. They have this prolific offense that can sometimes not show up, and then they don't have a defense that seems to shut people down. And I don't mean like fully shut down, but you can't give up on a loss to hope. You can't give up 100-plus points. That's where my concern with John Carroll is. I have him 16, and I don't like it there, and this week makes it more complicated because they split the week with two others I'm considering. Yeah, that's. I mean, if they had won the Baldwin-Wallace game this week as well as Marietta I definitely would be voting for them I've got them sitting 26 just off my ballot right now um but it's a lot of the same questions I had um in a different sense with Illinois Wesleyan is that they seem to be teams that want to win by outscoring their opponents which works in most of your games but when you really get down to difficult competition you got to be able to stop the other team from scoring at some point um and we, we need to see that happening a little bit more consistently I'm going with them because I've heard Talked with a few coaches in the region who say, listen, they're good. They're very good. I bring up the defense, and they say, yeah, but. I think the one thing I would say is John Carroll's offense has a better ability of outscoring its opponents than apparently Ohio Wesleyan's cans. Now, Ohio Wesleyan definitely relies on the three-pointer. 
think John Carroll at least has a little bit more go-to options, especially inside. I don't know how much Pete has stuck to his dad's uh, plan of five in, five out. It feels like he has stuck to a lot to that. But it's the defense that does concern me. Uh, but I'm voting them 16 right now because I think right now, amongst everybody else, they've at least got a legitimate chance. Now, they may not get very, you know midway through the NCAA tournament before finally a good defensive unit puts them in trouble. Um, but I have a lot more confidence in them now than I do Ohio Wesley, and I have a lot more confidence in them than I have Marietta, who I've not voted for in weeks. Um, I, Baldwin Wallace has made this interesting, to, to be blunt. I've been voting for Baldwin Wallace haphazardly because they're 22 on my ballot now. I've had them in my, in my 15 to 20 range. They've kind of bounced around. But the win over John Carroll this week by BW is going to make things interesting for me. But I, I, I do like John Carroll. I don't love John Carroll, but I like John Carroll. But the reasons you don't like him, I completely get. I, 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 trust me, they're in my head too. Yeah, and, and I really feel like the schedule has not been as strong. Obviously, they're in the conference. The OAC is a good conference. But that early schedule... Yeah. Um, think may have inflated the record a little bit i think baldwin wallace had a better schedule and and now they had just beaten them so i am voting for for bw and john carroll probably should be my number 25 team but i i finally got up the courage to throw one point at my the boys down at sol ross state uh i think they've put put up a good season so far they've been winning their conference games by 20 plus points three or four in a row now so uh i wanted to to john carroll might have earned that spot but i think sol ross you know I'm going to give them that point just to get a little. Yeah, uh, I know you love Sol Ross. We'll talk about them some other show. Uh, I do agree with you, John Carroll. Uh, the early season is why I wasn't voting for him. I think it was a stretch where they beat Mount Union despite them being 9-8, and eight, then beat Marietta, Ohio Northern, and blitzed out LaRoche, La where I kind of went, okay, I, I can buy in here. The hope loss concerned me. Then they came back and beat Heidelberg Capital, Otterbein. Granted, everybody's beating Otterbein. Uh, and Wilmington, and I, and I felt more confident. Now the Baldwin-Wallace loss will, will, will have me a little bit not so confident. Um, yep. Let's switch gears quickly. We don't talk about the women's top 25 all that often, though, I, as I said earlier, two losses, two teams in the entire group of teams or uh, yep. of schools being voted for, and I think it's 35 total. Uh, how many is it men? Men is at 46, I think. Um, <laughs> is there anybody? Is there anybody – when you look through the women's top 25, and I know this isn't as much of your forte, but is there any team on your women's top 25 not in the top 25 that you would think should be there? All right, so I made it a little tougher on myself. You gave me this question ahead of time, so I had time to actually look mm -hmm. this up. There's a, there's a few getting votes that I think maybe deserve to be a little higher, but I went with uh, teams that aren't getting any votes right now. Oh, you really made it tough for yourself. Yeah, and I even... I think the best team not getting any votes right now is probably Scranton. They're 16 and one. They're playing really well, you know. Scranton's but Scranton. in the top 25. Is it? Oh, I missed that. They're so there 17. We go. Not Scranton. I skipped them over. So it doesn't matter. The one that I really wanted to pick out yeah. that we might not have noticed was Kenyon. Oh. Kenyon is 16 and three. Okay. Their losses they had early in November. They had a 10 point loss to Trine. Uh, Pretty they good. lost to a, a non-D3 Mount Vernon Nazarene, okay. and they lost at DePaul by six points. Now you got a good – okay, fair point. So they, they've, been, they've been performing consistently, and uh, they've, got, they've got a solid record there. Obviously, you said I don't, I don't watch as many women's games as I do men's because I don't vote in that poll. And, um, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like Kenyon maybe is a, is a team that people should be looking at. 
That's it's an interesting argument. I, I like it. I didn't make it that hard on me. I did go with those who were receiving votes. Um, the team that jumped out at me, I, I think an easy one could be always Wisconsin Lutheran at 15-1. and one. I get that. I think, honestly, the voters are probably waiting for this week. If they're not in the top 25, they're waiting to see uh, this week by chance because they're taking on um, Concordia Chicago, who we had on earlier in the show. Granted, there's yeah. not a lot, an easy way to get into the top 25 either on the women's side, but my team is Marymount. Um, yeah, you know, of course. I mean, that's number 26. They're doing really well. Sorry for the. Uh, yeah, the cat. we're enjoying the cat. It's so off behind me right now, but. <laughs> it's making for a fun segment. Uh, I yeah. went with Marymount. Yes, they're at 26, so maybe this is too easy. But my thought on this is, why aren't they in the top 25? Um, because, now granted, it's hard. they got two losses, and there's only a handful of teams with three, or yep. one with three. It's Whitewater. But they beat Christopher Newport um, in a good battle. Christopher Newport's 12th. I get that. I just feel like Marymount's defense, the way they're playing, the way they've handled teams, they beat St. Mary 74-41 and, and Penn State Harrisburg this week 63-46. Maybe that's not indicative. But there's something about Marymount that just makes me think, why aren't they in the top 25? Um, I don't know who they would replace. Um, maybe Messiah. I don't think Messiah's clicking like they have been. Granted, they beat Lev Val today, or this week 66-45. Um, it's a tough group to get into. I realize that. Uh, it's the women's side, and that's why this makes it interesting. But Mary, Marymount's my pick in that category. Yeah, the other one I looked at, they're getting a couple of votes. Rose Holman, uh, really strong team. They lost three games this year, but by a total of 12 points at Hope, at DePauw, and uh, neutral site with Illinois Wesleyan. So that's another one. They're just getting a couple of votes. The problem is, who do you take out? And certainly every right. team in the top right. 25 deserves to be there, but uh, maybe a couple other teams that, that people could be looking at. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, who comes out of that poll is, is the most difficult. Um, by the way, I love the spin. I just saw a retweet of a tweet. Now, this tweet was yesterday, so I'm only seeing the retweet. But i got to love the spin of some SIDs. Uh, Whitewater Warhawks men's basketball improved to 7-0 in true road games Saturday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You're 7-0 in true like, road games. That sounds like a stat Ira would come up with. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, so this is from a friend of ours uh, sending us this question. He'll, he'll remain uh, anonymous, um, but it's, it's a different take on things. Uh, the toss-up is this. We haven't talked about it on the show. The NCAA is changing the first permissible contest date in basketball to November 8th. Um, if the 8th falls on a Saturday, they can start on the 7th. If it falls on a Sunday, they can start on the 6th. Uh, I think even if it starts on, I got to double check if it falls on Monday, if they can jump on it Monday. I have it, but anyway, they can. Anyway, my point being, they're moving the season a week earlier. Is this good for men's and women's Division Three basketball? I, um, I can go first if you want me to. No, I, th I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to have the option. Obviously, it's it's not a requirement. Nobody has to start their season any earlier than they do. But I know there are a number of teams that end up squishing a lot of games into a short amount of time just because they have, whether it's policies or they just want to give their kids enough time off over the holidays or at finals time. Um, it just gives them an extra week at the beginning of the season. And uh, although it's probably a minority of teams that, that are stuck in that situation, it gives them a little bit of relief. And I think that's probably a good thing. Well, I think it, it's more of a majority of teams because otherwise I don't think this legislation goes anywhere. I'm, I'm torn. Uh, in some ways, I have I've I've said I think we need more time before non our conference season starts, and I think we need more consistent time. My problem with the schedule is because of the calendar, we either have 
what, 10 days before Thanksgiving or even 15 days or something crazy. Buy a kitty cat. Um, who knows? And, and, and I don't like necessarily the 15th. And I know they tried to hybrid it with if the 15th on a Sunday, they can start on Friday's thing. And I get that. I do know there's concern amongst administrative staffs, especially sports information directors and the like, that starting a week earlier now puts it into conference fall conference championship week. That isn't ideal. I get that to some degree. Um, and I'll get back to that in a minute. My, I agree with you, though. With larger conferences and with limitations by schools even, that you can't play and practice during exams, okay? Some schools have limitations. You can't play and practice in the holidays. Okay. Um, in some conferences we saw starting conference games on December 29th. Um, the remedy to that is to then try and find a date in early December or in the Centennial Conference's case and some other conferences, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Those are important games. While every game is important, those games are really important because that game on that Tuesday before Thanksgiving could end up deciding if you're hosting the, end, the conference tournament at the end of the season. It really could. And I get that coaches want a little bit more of a warm-up before that. December 8th yeah. feels early. It does feel a little early, but at the same time, you know, they're not moving the practice start earlier. No, they're not doing I that. I ask coaches when I talk to them, just, you know, what do you think about this? And I would say, you know, 80 or 90% of the coaches I talk to say, we don't need a month of practice before we play games, you yes. know? So having three weeks is, is probably better just in terms of, of getting out on the floor and seeing what you have. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm I not... I'm not surprised that the sacrifice by coaches of giving up a, a week of practice was made. I am curious what the NESCAC thinks because they're going to have yeah. to rearrange some things here. They're not going to go with one week, or the coaches are all going to refuse to play that week. Let me just get this out of the way. I do think that schools and conferences have to tackle this smartly. I think they have to say to coaches, listen, there are going to be some limitations to this. For example, I don't believe any of these, these tip-off tournaments should automatically move to that December 8th week, the weekend prior, especially when there's conference tournaments, you need to know your school. If your school is one that is is hosting a lot of conference tournament events, uh, including football, you need to realize that moving that tournament to that weekend is about the last thing you should do. And this now falls on coaches to be smart, and I realize that's a stretch. Some coaches are not going to care, and I get that. And especially coaches without football programs who think, and I'll be blunt, I know there's coaches without football programs who think they are the be-all and end-all of the athletics department, and they're going to do what they want to do, and I get that. That's where I could see this being a problem. Um, but if conferences are smart, they're going to say, hey, listen, this is conference tournaments, and if you have a basketball game that interferes, you're moving the basketball game. And if it's a tip-off tournament, that coach has got some problems. So I hope people are smart with this. I agree. I think there needs to be some more time. My personal solution was two Fridays before Thanksgiving. Plain and simple. Two Fridays before Thanksgiving. Don't don't have this be a midweek thing. And if coaches are really smart, go on the road that weekend. Go play a, a one-off that weekend. Go play a Wednesday game now. Don't try and make it more difficult at your own institution is the only caution I have here with this extent earlier start. Yeah, and, and I mean, we talked about this a little bit that I I think it's actually a smaller number of teams that have a lot of those conflicts than we maybe think about, because um, those tend to be the teams that are good at everything, right? And so they're higher yeah. priority. But, yeah, that's um, true. That's true. But the other cat now. Yeah. Welcome. The problem is yeah. the only catch to that is 
a lot of those who are really good in a lot of sports also have the programs who have tip-off tournaments. I think that's where maybe that crossover is ironically tight. Um, but I agree with you. I, I don't think it's as grand a problem as it could be. The, the real issue is that the conference tournaments aren't consistent. You never know when one of those teams is just going to make a run and is suddenly hosting the conference championship game that you never expected to be hosting the conference championship game. And that's where this can become problematic. Um, yep. I think it's good because, yes, I'm a little frustrated. I think it's not fair necessarily to squeeze five games into eight days because that's the best way you can possibly get your those games in. I do want to see a little bit of a, of a loosening of that. I don't know if November 8th, which means we could start as early as November 5th, is the right option. That's a 10-day early start. I don't like that. Um, but for now, I think it's okay. I think it's good. But I really hope schools and conferences maybe put some rules in place to at least make this a smart decision and coaches respect their fall sports as much as their spring sports respect them. If that makes any hey, sense. I I don't work on the football side, so the sooner the games start, the better it is for me. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah, instead of, I think this first weekend now has always been the last regular season of the football. Now it's going to be two uh, regular season games before the end. So it's, it's a bigger crossover. I know administrations are worried about that, but personally, I do think it's good for Division Three because I think we can loosen things up. If we can have a slower start to the season, maybe, with some limitations in place, and I realize it might be a pipe dream and I might be uh, completely out of my mind, but that's I, I just, if coaches are listening, and, and please don't laugh, I'm dead serious. Respect your institution, respect your facilities, and don't just think that because you have December 8th now, you can jam your tip-off tournament in even sooner. Maybe, maybe take advantage of that and go play a road game uh, against somebody um, that you were trying to squeeze in the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Or, the, or maybe, in some cases, people don't have to play on Thanksgiving now. Well, that's the thing is it might free up and let the, let the players go home for Thanksgiving break instead of having to play right. that weekend. So that could be good, right. too. So we'll see how it plays out. It does start next year. We're going to have a slower start to next year because some things are already set in stone for next year. We can't move them. But uh, the following year will be a bigger impact. Hey, Ryan, appreciate it. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Uh, no, other than we got to come up with a good hashtag for these cats that yeah, are seriously. walking behind me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't invaded this segment sooner than tonight. But uh, Well, um, maybe they have an opinion on the top 25 next week. Yeah, maybe. They do watch a lot of games with me. So There we go. Awesome, sir. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. That is the top 25 double take with Ryan Scott. Um, good segment. We'll keep working on it. Uh, maybe tighten it up a little bit, but it was good. I, I threw some questions on at the beginning on Ryan there that I probably probably shouldn't have, but it worked nonetheless. Thanks. Uh, that's it. We're going to wrap up our show. Uh, I didn't see any questions tonight. That's okay. We tend to ramp them up as we get later into the season. Obviously, we have a lot of stuff to talk about that, uh, um, like regional rankings and stuff that will certainly get the uh, fires burning as it were. Uh, that's going to do it for us though. We're going to sign off. want to thank all of our guests for coming on the show. Of course, Ryan Scott, who just appeared, appreciate him taking time. We're going to see him every Sunday or in the case of after Super Bowl, we assume on Monday, he may even make a surprise appearance on our marathon uh, show, which is coming up in a week and a half on February 1st. But also thanks to Rusty Rogers from Concordia, Chicago, Adam Stockwell from Hamilton, Kate Pearson from Cabrini, and David Smith from Methodist. Uh, and, of course, their sports information directors for their hard work to helping us get those segments on the air as well. Did not have an NABC Coach's Corner segment this week. No big deal. We'll make up for it on the marathon. But we will have a fascinating WBCA 
uh, center court segment coming up on Thursday. You you definitely want to tune in for uh, a coach working in a different environment, but because of the experiences that she's had, she's doing very well and uh, the committees that she's working on as a result. Uh, thanks to everybody else for tuning in. Appreciate it. If you're enjoying the podcast, thank you as well. Don't forget, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville if you've got questions. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, Instagram, we promote the show there at D3Hoopsville as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good evening, uh, and we will see you back here Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. It's Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Good night, everybody.